The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. As a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network, visit voicesofwrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Very, 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 very. You are listening to the flagship podcast with your hosts, Joe Lanza. You do that every week. Every week. And Rich Cranch. I like you're different on apples. That's what a what a what a great fruit that you're just letting go by the wayside. What is your fascination with apples? They're fantastic. It's the fall. It's the apple season, man. And we are live on the flagship podcast. I'm Rich Craig. He's Joe Lanza. Joe, what's happening? Uh, we got breaking news. Breaking news. What do we got here? This podcast is an oh my god! Of wrestling. Fuck. Keep forgetting that thing. Things on repeat. Anyway, hi. Wait, what? My um, my dumb uh, the intro. I, I forget that it's uh, it's on repeat for some reason. I, I put it on repeat because the, the program that I use when we do. Uh, bouncing around Japan or bouncing around the Indies or whatever, I put the music on repeat. So it just constantly plays and plays and plays and plays. I forget to turn that off when I play the intro. So like it stops and it fades out and then you're like, all right, hey, uh, Rich. Uh, and then it's like, this podcast is ever the way. And, and it's very unprofessional, but here we are. I can't hear any of that. You cannot hear nothing. You can't hear a thing. So you have no idea. You will hear it when you listen back to the show uh, later tonight after you do the show. You, you will hear the flub, the production snafu that I just uh, just did there. So. Well, can we begin the show? Yes, breaking news. What do you got? Breaking news. Who's fired now? Who's gone? After Rich can't handle the controls here. <laughs> Who's Terrible fired? Terrible job out of Rich. Well, you would love that, wouldn't you? You would love to just uh, shuffle off into the sunset. And uh, you want those Patreon checks, though. Those yeah, those aren't going away. Yeah, the flagship checks. Eh, yeah, you know, those. But the, pa- the Patreon checks, those can stay. Like we those. got the quarter hours for the big dynamite show. Quarter hours, yes. I did see these. I did see these before. Oh, so you always ask, have you seen them? And I always go, no. But uh, for some reason, this time I did watch them. So, yeah. You're supposed to go along with a bit. Uh, Joe, what? <laughs> the quarter hours? of AEW? Go hit me with these. I cannot wait to see what yes. we can unravel with these quarter hours that have just been released for dynamite. Go ahead, please. Yes. We've got the quarter hours for the dynamite show, which did 1.01 million viewers and a point four three. TBS? Yeah. Big, uh, big debut on TBS, right? Yeah. Yes, debut. Yes, I think that's a uh, very good number. Discussed at length on the Thursday TV reviews on the five dollar tier, patreon.com slash voice of wrestling. Uh, quarter hours, Rich. Uh, show peaked quarter hour one with 1.1 million viewers. Main event. Uh, I say the main event, but the well, because we all know it was the real main event. But the uh, Hangman Danielson match held steady throughout okay. over a million, and the 18 to 49 was steady throughout. Uh, not much fluctuation at all. Uh, the big story here, I guess, would be quarter hour six, which was the last seven minutes of Jade Cargill and Ruby Soho, and then a sit-down interview with Serena Deeb, and then the start of Malachi Black versus Brian Pillman from 9.15 to 9.30. 
was the second highest quarter hour on the show. And the edging out the first quarter hour for the highest quarter hour in 18 to 49. 583,000 viewers to 582,000 viewers. Of course. So margin of error for sure. But uh, And then uh, the following quarter hour, which was the last three minutes of Malachi Black versus Pillman and the start of the main event, dropped like a stone to 939,000 viewers. The first quarter hour to drop under a million and then stayed under a million for the remainder of the show. And it was also the two lowest quarter hours in 18 to 49. So what do we do with this? The Hangman Danielson match clearly was a success. And it looks like the Jade Cargill Ruby Soho match was a success. And it looks like nobody gave a shit about the main event in relation to the rest of the show. Those would be very strong numbers any other week. Obviously. Yeah, because what, what was the what was the total then? The 18 to 49 total for the main? It was still like what 560, somewhere in that range. Uh, first, uh, for the seventh quarter hour, 538. Yeah, I mean, that's, yeah, you know, I mean, it's still pretty, that's fine. (laughs) It's just not, you know, what it was at the beginning of the show. That's not bad. Big numbers for any other week. And, uh, over 500,000 viewers in 18 to 49 for the final quarter hour. Um, but clearly the, 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 uh, tag main event was the low point of the show in both overall viewership and the 18 to 49. Now, Rich, (laughs) one cough, that's all. I promise I commit to that. Now, Rich, there'll be many more coughs. The interesting thing here with the last seven minutes of this Jade Cargill Ruby Soho match, and uh, this will be a uh, a mini victory lap for us, I think. Um, that quarter did very well. And what do we always say when it comes to women's wrestling? Okay, that quarter shot up in males eighteen to forty nine. The highest quarter period on the entire show in 18 to 49 was for the ending of that Jade Carkill Ruby Soho match. That quarter hour went down in women 18 to 49. Yeah, it, it's there, there's always this weird fallacy that women love watching women wrestling, and that's just not the case. It's just never, ever, ever been proven to be true in the major American companies. As far as the companies that we can track and and we can see and we can see the ratings and the rating patterns and that sort of stuff, it just has never been true. It's almost always the opposite is true in almost every single one of those cases. But uh, it does not stop uh, pundits uh, alike from uh, uh, lining up to say, ah, if you need, if you want to get women to watch wrestling, you need more women's wrestling. And that's nah, not really. That's never been true. But uh, you can keep saying it. You know, without any sort of evidence-based, you know, uh, evidence whatsoever. Always, yeah, the evidence, the evidence is the, literally the opposite. But you can keep saying it if you want. It's it's fine. It's well, who needs evidence these days? Who needs truths anymore, Joe? Just say stuff. Just get online and say stuff. And then uh, if you just say it a bunch, of people will say, yeah, 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 yeah. Women, they need more women's wrestling. No, they don't. They hate it. They <laughs> they don't watch it. They usually turn it off in, in in large numbers. But yeah, okay. Yeah, the evidence is always completely the opposite. If you dig even deeper. Women 18 to 34, uh, the quarter hour with Wardlaw versus uh, in the squash. And the start of the Carkill Ruby Soho match, which is the important thing here, was the second highest quarter hour on the show among women 18 to 34, young adult women at 124,000 viewers. By the end of the Carkill Soho match, 108,000 viewers, the third lowest quarter hour on the show, only above the main event. Everybody seemed to ditch the show for the main event. But again, 
this perception, and that's young female viewers, 18 to 34. Those are the ones where everybody tells us they want to see women right. dressing. They need Liv Morgan. They need yeah. this. They need that because that's how they're going to watch. They always turn it off when those people are on the, on the television. They seem to yeah, like attractive young men, it seems to be what uh, uh, they seem crazy. to like a little bit more. But I know it's wild. Given that, you know, when you watch old wrestling, it's like, man, you know, there are all these, all these males are screaming really loud when the attractive young men come out. So uh, it's so strange. Oh, wait, no, those are all women. Never mind. Sorry. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah I don't know. It's weird that, uh, you know, I watched Dragon Gate and, and Territorial Wrestling, and it appears that, uh, Joe, I don't know. It's a long shot here, but it appears women like attractive young men. So Wild concept. Um, boy bands are not a thing. No, <laughs> no, no. Um, BTS <laughs> not liked by young women at all. <laughs> they want only Beyonce. No, there haven't been boy bands for every generation going back to the 50s. <laughs> right. That hasn't that's not a real thing. Um but anyway, I thought those were the Yeah, the uh, monkeys in- predominantly loved by middle-aged men. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> Menudo, definitely uh men over 50 who are big right. fans of Menudo. Uh, go right down the line. So uh yeah, um 98 degrees, Rich. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. LFO. I I you know, I was honestly going to say LFO. I'm not kidding, Joe. The, I was waiting to say LFO and you beat me on LFO. That is that is fantastic. Uh, recently we were uh, we were driving and and uh, we were on you know the nineties on nine on on Sirius or whatever. And um, the nurse surprised me by knowing every single lyric of uh, LFO's "Summer Girls," and I was I, I can't say I was proud. It was pretty bad. Why wouldn't she know that? that she every lyric, there. every lyric. Yeah, she just sang along <laughs> like perfectly too. Isn't that guy dead from LFO? Uh, yes, Rich, I believe, from LFO is, is indeed passed away, I think. So. All right. There you go. Him and, the... him and Dan Reeves has, uh, has passed away recently. So. Dan Reeves, you are determined to talk Dan Reeves. <laughs> no, I'm really not. I just It's funny because everybody was like, uh-oh, Dan Reeves. I love that Like when these figures that have nothing to do with wrestling pass away, our Discord and, and, and whatnot are like, oh, pff, you know these guys are going to talk about Dan Reeves or whatever, and it's like... But I like that. You know, we did an hour on Madden and people loved it. And, and yeah, now people are like, oh, these guys, are, you guys going to talk about Brad Reeves or, or uh, Dan Reeves? And it's like, we really shouldn't. <laughs> you know, we're a wrestling podcast, to be fair. But uh, we always say, you know, it's not about the wrestling all the time. It's about the personalities behind it. You know, uh, Rich, did you know that LFO, uh, that stands the for light the funky light funky ones? Oh, all right. You stepped all over me. Jeez. <laughs> I'm just, you, you, you I'm just letting you know my LFO uh, um, uh, uh, knowledge that I had. Yeah. And yes, oh, well, Rich is, is dead. Rich is the dead one? Apparently two of them are dead. Ben Goodman in the uh, No Dopes chat room says two of them are dead. Only one survives. So Two of the light, funky ones are dead? Yeah, that's, I don't like those numbers. There, there's only like three of them. That's right? it. Yeah, he I mean, said there's only one. Only one is still alive of the uh, light, funky ones. So Yeah, this uh, Rich Cronin died in 2010. Uh, <laughs> none of the others have a Wikipedia page. <laughs> it doesn't so. bode well. Yeah, nobody else cares. I, those other yeah, guys, so. I... Uh, you know, so I have no idea how to how to figure out um, the final living member. Yeah, there's only one living member, Brad Fischelli. Okay. Fisch- Brad Fischetti. <laughs> Weren't you friends with the Brad Fischetti growing up? Seems, seems like a nice Italian boy, Brad <laughs> right. Fischetti. Yeah. Um, did you play? Did you play t-ball? You played t-ball with Brad Fischetti. Probably. Right? <laughs> I wouldn't wouldn't stun me. Uh, he now tours with the pop group O Town. So uh, on the on the. Uh, Oh, I remember O-Town. Okay. Was he in O-Town originally, or did he, he he had joined up with O-Town on this tour? It says he began touring with the pop group O-Town. Hmm. Okay. 
maybe just for one tour. Yeah, they they were the uh, the original making the band. Remember that on the KY Jelly? Tw- no, the Y2K tour. I don't know why I read that as KY Jelly. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> it's one of those things where your eyes just. All right. <laughs> um. Ah, you've got it in the top drawer. We need we need that sponsorship, by the way. We should probably we should um, probably just email them. I think we should do that. We gotta start getting these sponsorships to us, and I think I think the KY Jelly would be a good one to start with. I have something so. to say about, but I, it's more third hour stuff. But um, please, <laughs> I don't know. I'm a, I'm not a. Well, don't right, I don't I don't care. I don't care. I, I don't I don't care. Just no. third hour. What do you Wait mean the third hour? What do you don't care? You don't care. My thoughts on lube? No, uh, not really. I really don't care. Right. <laughs> Your thoughts on lube? Um, so. Yeah. So he, there's only uh, Brad Fischetti is the only one still living. Dan Reeves is not living. Did you know that Dan Reeves participated in nine Super Bowls, won a couple of them too, and he is not in the Hall of Fame. I know. I was. I, that's I, you were talking offline, and uh, I'm doing my thing that I do usually at the uh, the beginning of the ne- uh, of the year. Uh, once you know basketball's starting to slow down a little bit or whatever, I don't start watching the NFL because I really don't want to. You know, I don't really care that much. I'll watch some playoff football. I watch, playoff football is fine, but uh, I start to go through all the uh, uh, Super Bowl films, all the NFL yeah. films, Super Bowl films, uh, and I'll yes. start at like the. I'll start at Super Bowl one. I'll watch them all because it's like you know it's thirty minutes, forty minutes to watch them. They're light, easy, breezy thing. They're they're always well done. Great music, great highlights and stuff. And uh, yeah, I'm seeing Dan Reeves in there a lot, and I always forget that. Um, that Dan Reeves obviously lost all the Super Bowls with with Denver, which made him a failure, Joe, because he's such a fucking failure. And and John Elway also a giant failure for losing Super Bowls that they were in, which it's still incredibly hard to get to a Super Bowl. Uh, and then I forgot that I I just watched the uh, the Denver versus Atlanta Falcons Super Bowl tape from uh, Super Bowl. I don't remember the number of the Super Bowl it was, but ni- 1998 or 99 or whatever it was. I forgot that Dan Reeves was the coach of the Falcons and Elway beats him to win the Super yeah. win his second Super Bowl back to back and beats his old coach and says, "Ah, I'm gonna win the Super Bowl without you." So, yeah. So he lost three Super Bowls with Elway and then lost to Elway. Yeah, Ugh, brutal. With the with the dirty the dirty birds, birds. the dirty birds, yes. Atlanta Falcons, Jamal Anderson. Let's go. Do you remember Dan Reeves doing the Dirty Bird when they won the NFC? Title? Oh God, no! Did he really? Yeah, there's. Yeah, he does the Dirty Bird. <laughs> does he do it well? The Falcons. I mean, <laughs> to find well, yeah, I guess that would be. A... You know, sixty-five-year-old man. I mean, I, you know, how he's not going to have the smooth moves of a uh, of a Jamal Anderson or a Sean Jefferson. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Was Sean Jefferson on that team? I think he was. Sean Jefferson. I don't. I don't remember. Unfortunately. Think he was. I don't remember my my late '90s Falcons all that much. I, you're probably right. You're probably right. Uh, Sean Jefferson. No, he got there in 2000. Damn. All right. I think I they were still. Right I think they were still dirty burdened by then. Because I, I remember in the uh, speaking of uh, we were talking about football uh, video games uh, a couple weeks ago. Uh, or last week, I don't know. The time is a <laughs> who knows what time is anymore uh, at this point. But uh, yeah, you you could uh, in the NFL 2K games if you scored a touchdown with the Atlanta Falcons, uh, the running back uh, would do the the dirty bird. Even if it wasn't Jamal Anderson, I think they just programmed it that no matter who was the running back for the Falcons, you would do the dirty bird. So uh, I like to be the Falcons in those games because well, they the dirty birds. I mean, they dropped like a stone. They stunk the next year immediately. And then I think Reeves was gone by 2000 and – oh, actually, he lasted a long – oh, no, remember, he drafted Michael Vick, so he lasted – Yeah, 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 he was there for a little bit. He, Yeah, they stunk, and then he drafted Vick, and then he was gone. So um, he did he did last a while there. But he, he participated in nine Super Bowls, player, assistant coach, head coach. Um, 
I think he's one of two NFL head coaches with 200 wins that is not in the uh, Hall of Fame. I mean, it's ridiculous. He he belongs in the Hall of Fame. Uh, actually, he had 190, 190 and 165 as a coach, and he was 11 and nine in the postseason. And he lost. He was 0-4 as a head coach in the Super Bowl. Rich, I'm telling you, it's worse to go to a Super Bowl and lose it is. than it is to not go at all. Well, and that's like I, I was watching. Yeah, I was, again, I was watching the Broncos one, and they're like, John Elway is trying to, you know, redeem himself after failures. I'm like, he's the best quarterback for 20 years. Yeah. He's been great, and yeah, he made some Super Bowls and he lost them. But Jesus Christ, I mean, the, God, it's like they're like, oh, he won't, he won't, he won't put a stamp on his career until he wins a Super Bowl. <laughs> I was like, he's already like destroyed the record books. He's been great for 15 years, and thank yeah. God he got his fucking Super Bowl. So now he's good. You know, now now John Elway's good because he won a game. So. It's uh, very frustrating. We, we are not rings people here. If, if if you're not new, if if we did a sports podcast, it would, we would most of our episodes would be about decreeing rings culture, and that if you don't win a ring, you're a worthless. Pile of crap. Charles Barkley, you didn't win a ring. Patrick Ewing, you didn't win a ring. How dare you? Seriously, if if not if if not a if nothing else changes, not a single thing about Dan Reeves' career changes except he wins one of those four Super Bowls. Right, and one of them he got piss pounded into, which did not help. Well, actually, I mean, honestly, the Falcons when he got piss pounded a little bit too. So yeah, I mean the the Broncos, yeah, the fifty-two to (laughs) ten or whatever in, in that one Super Bowl that didn't go well. They just moonwalk into the Hall of Fame. I mean, it wouldn't even be debatable, you know. But you know, it's 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 crazy. It's it's and you know, it's extending to other sports. Like you know, the NBA, it's like everybody mocks the team that loses the final, or it's just it it infuriates me. It's you know, it's not. It's almost better not to get there if you're not you know if you're not going to win in terms of your reputation. But. uh Anyway, yeah, that's Dan Reeves. We're not doing an hour. On no, Dan we're not Reeves. doing an hour on Dan Reeves. He 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 was not as impactful as one John Madden was. So do not uh, do not expect a Dan Reeves podcast. But uh, yeah, we got plenty to talk about uh, today. We have the uh, New Japan Wrestle Kingdom Night Three New Japan versus Noah show coming up uh, this weekend. We're going to talk about that. We are not going to talk about Wrestle Kingdoms Night One and Night Two because we already did that. So uh, if you're not a ten dollars subscriber uh, at flagshippodcast.com. VoiceOfWrestling.com slash Patreon, Patreon.com slash wrestling. Go be a $10 subscriber because you can listen to our thoughts in our on each night one and night two. Instant Reaction Live, it is all there. We review the shows, we break down the things, we give our star ratings, do all that sort of stuff. That is on that, so we're not going to do any Wrestle Kingdom uh, nights one and night two uh, reviews on this show. Those are both on Instant Reaction Live, both available uh, on the flagship Patreon, so you can get that there. But uh, we are going to talk about the Noah versus uh, New Japan. We're talking about the FSM 50, the Fighting Spirit Magazine uh, 50, uh, that is up at uh, VoicesOfWrestling.com. The list got released uh, this week. We'll talk about uh, a little bit of our, our feedback on that and the fallout from that. Zero uh, one, yes, this is now a zero one podcast. We're going to talk about that. Noah, this is definitely now a Noah podcast because I got some thoughts. I know that I want to talk about uh, WWE's day one. We're going to review that extensively. Not really. Uh, And then we're going to talk about uh, some NXT stuff, which actually let's let you want to get into that right now. The NXT cuts. Yeah, because we actually have a new one as well. So um, this came from WWE. They did not officially announce any of these releases on uh, their website, but they did release something that said, quote, with the continued evolution of NXT 2.0, we've decided to part ways with some of our staff based in our performance center. We thank them for their many contributions throughout the years and wish them 
the best. So uh, Sean Rossap was the first to have uh, these names. A bunch came out here. William Regal, Road Dog, Brian James, Ace Steel, Dave Kapoor, Scott Armstrong, Allison Danger, uh, slash Kathy Carino, uh, obviously a real name, uh, Ryan Katz, uh, talent-wise, Hideki Suzuki, Timothy Thatcher, Danny Birch uh, were let go. Uh, we would learn today that Gabe Sapolsky was also part of those cuts. We'll talk about him a little bit more. Uh, and then this more, uh, God, this afternoon, maybe an hour before we went live here, we learned that Samoa Joe once again for the first for the second time in nine months, Samoa Joe has also been released from his WWE contract. So yeah, this is uh, this is a gutting, uh, a continued gutting uh, of NXT. What, what do you make of these names? I mean, there's some big hitters here. I'm waiting for them to fire Rob Naylor again just for the hell of it. You know, <laughs> Rob Naylor still fired. Yeah, they call Rob. Hey, Rob, how you doing? Yeah, you're fired. I, well, okay, thanks. You know, just make sure. You remember that, right? You're fired, right? He's like, I, I got it, yeah. <laughs> Fightful reports that Chief Jay Strongbow has been let go. Oh, Tony Gurria has been uh, – we wish him well in his future endeavors. Yeah. Uh, yes, Rene Goulet, unfortunately. Uh, <laughs> no longer be needed, yeah. Released. Yeah. I think they're all dead besides Tony Gurria. Dave, what about Dave Hebner? Out. Dave Hebner stood. He's still kicking around. Yeah, I think right? Dave Hebner's still good, right? And Earl. Earl as well. Yeah. Earl's Brian. Fine. Brian Hebner. All the Hebners. Imagine your family industry is pro wrestling rap. <laughs> I know. You know? <laughs> and Brian doesn't aim higher in his life. You know what I mean? He's like, no, Dad, I want to be just like you. you know? yeah. just... I want to be a pro wrestling ref. I want to put like, the ring the together. Business. I want to be an adult putting the ring together. You know, it's just. <laughs> it's... <laughs> I always think about that. It's absurd. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. That that's the family industry. Yeah. It's just absurd that they put the ring together still. Like, you know, it's fucking Jimmy Cornier sitting there with a wrench going, all right, guys, let's put this thing together. Like, what? Well, I mean, that's how Jimmy knows how, knows, knows so much about the biz. <laughs> yeah, right. Because he held rings together. Yeah, him and Show holding wrenches, getting those getting the ring together. So, Absolutely. I mean, uh, how, how dare you question <laughs> Jimmy Corderas? He was uh, he was in WWE for thirty years, so obviously he knows everything there is to know about Game Changer Wrestling. You can't question this man's credentials. Um, yeah, so that's who is who's even left? Are they just shutting down the performance? The, this like, is yeah, and that was going to be my question: is like where, where I mean, where are we at with this? Because we we continue to talk about the gutting of. Um... You know, the gutting of NXT 2.0, the change of the NXT, uh, two, you know, uh, philosophy, the, the change in the performance center, all that sort of stuff. I mean, we're getting down to, like, the nitty-gritty here. We're getting down to, like, okay, you know, who's left here uh, in terms of the, the the amount of people that are actually there in terms of wrestlers? And there's still plenty, obviously, to go, but, I mean, God, it's 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 been an absolute bloodletting as of late. And, and, and really, like, you're talking about William Regal, you know, the main indie scout, that's done, that's probably, you know... They're, they're done scouting the Indies. They don't need him anymore. Uh, and obviously thought that he offered nothing else uh, to them. Uh, Road Dog, who's obviously been a pretty, you know, loyal uh, guy to Triple H and, and, and HBK and, and and somewhat loyal to WWE over the, over the you know, recent years as well. Uh, Dave Kapoor, I mean, that one caught me and it felt like, a, like everybody off guard. I mean, that was the one guy that if you were on Twitter and stuff, a lot of people were talking about William Regal and how do you let William Regal go on uh, the Allison Danger thing, which we'll talk about in a sec because they did her pretty dirty. But uh, the thing you heard from a lot of people was like, whoa, Dave Kapoor, because that dude has been there legit like 15 years. He's been there forever, Dave Kapoor, yeah. in, in, in both writing capacities and developmental and, you know, TV writing and promo writing and all that sort of stuff. I mean, that guy has been there forever. I mean, and as and the on-screen character. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, as, as, as Greg Kali's uh, manager uh, as well. Yeah. So Ra- Ra- Rajan Singh. Mm-hmm. Was yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah, right. But uh, yeah, Scott Armstrong, another, you know, shocking one as well. He's been there as a referee, I think, since WCW, right? I think he just 
transition right into that. I, I don't know if there was a time gap between that, but I mean, he's been there forever as well. Scott Armstrong, he's a long, 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 long time uh, employee. Uh, so he was the main referee trainer, which <laughs> <laughs> I mean, let, let's okay. To be fair, <laughs> NXT was ridiculous. I mean, NXT was fucking ridiculous. They had way too many people there. They're wasting money. They 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 were an utter failure in what they were trying to do. We talk about that all the time with NXT. This probably had to happen. It's just shocking how quickly it all happened. You you know what I mean? Like years, decades worth of of infrastructure building have basically in the last eight months just been completely destroyed and 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 blown up and and lit on fire and pissed on and lit on fire again and just completely destroyed. But like it's an absurd. I mean, the NXT is absurd. The performance center is absurd. It was an absolute giant waste of money, as we've been talking about as long as this show's existed, is wondering, what are they getting out of this performance center? So, yeah, I mean, it sucks, obviously, these people losing their jobs, but this is, you know, probably what the end game was going to be for this thing, and, and, and unless they just wanted to continue to pour money in it, which obviously they don't anymore. I mean, if they change the entire television philosophy, then I guess it's just a complete teardown in terms of, here's my question, though. Why did they keep all of these people so long if that's the case? Like, why didn't they get rid of them when they restructured the show? and got rid of all of the talent that was over 30 and below right. six foot. Like what was the holdup? Like why, why did they keep all of these people around? So on that, so it seems like it'd be logical. Okay. We're restructuring everything. The old minds we need to remove and we need to get fresh sets of eyes, but that isn't logical in terms of timeline because we're several months into NXT 2.0 and they're just making all of these changes with the, with the behind the scenes personnel now. So on that hand, it doesn't make sense. Um, so this also kind of reeks of just being more budget cuts of maybe someone looking on a ledger and saying, do we need 25 people down there inside that building uh, training these people? Or can we get away with doing this with eight? I mean, so I don't know which, I don't know what it is. I don't know which way, uh, what the, what the thinking was. And obviously the other very obvious thing here is the entire Triple H inner circle is now gone. George Carroll, Gabe Sapolsky. Oh, I, for, I forgot to mention George Carroll as well, yeah. Uh, Gabe Sapolsky, Road Dog, Samoa Joe, William Regal. This is the Triple, and I'm probably forgetting a few, and we're probably, a few of these names probably were, and we didn't realize it, but this is the Triple H inner circle. This was the team that he had built over the years that were his close confidants, who believed in his philosophies and worked closely with him. And at one time, who we all thought would eventually, we thought this would be who would be taking over the company. Yeah, that this crew would, would take over the yeah. company. And, and that's the thing that I just don't think enough people are, are you know, we know this story and the story has been out for, for a while now with, you know, Triple H being quote unquote removed from power or whatever the hell after the cardiac event or whatever. But like, I don't think enough people talk about that. This, like I said, this company for, 15, 20 years was building this infrastructure of, of yeah. the succession plan of Triple H taking over when Vince eventually dies or Vince eventually gives up. Like Triple H was so assumed to be the next guy. Shame, you know, he, he beat out Vince's, his own son who had to then just leave the company and go start his own thing because he realized that he was no longer part of the succession plan anymore. And then you have Triple H for the last decade building this infrastructure of these guys and these. And we talked about all the time when they would hire these new guys. We would say, okay, yeah, he's building that inner circle. He's got his guys ready. He has his crew ready that when 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 eventually that moment comes and they have to say, okay, now we're we're on. It's our turn. It's our time or whatever. That, I mean, this is what and and they have undone ten to fifteen years of infrastructure and succession building 
in like no time, in like eight or nine months or whatever, less than a year, that it's, all of that is gone and gone completely. There's no remnants of it. There's no crumbs of it anymore. Like you said, they're they're firing everybody that was related at all to that inner circle. Anybody that was related in 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 any way exclusively to the black and gold NXT that era of NXT, gone. All of it is gone. Like there is five to seven coaches I think that are still there, and a lot of them have been there forever. Your Fit Finleys and your Matt Blooms or whatever. Those those guys are old. I mean, those guys go back to FCW in some cases. Like these are not Bobby Brookside, but they these people could be gone next. Right. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. At, at this point, it, it, some of them, it could be a case of just not picking up their phone or, you know, like you said, keeping a few of them and then realizing, okay, hell, we don't even need seven guys. We only need four guys. All right, cool. It's Matt Bloom and, and Finley are now running the entire performance center. And yeah. it's not unreasonable that they could do that very, very soon. And, and, and yeah, again, this is, it just speaks to how strange this is all been. And I, I feel like it doesn't get enough credit. I think people see these things and go, oh, they're getting lean or they're getting ready for a sale. But it's like, no, they've completely gutted their, 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 you know, what they had been building up as their succession plan or their future. And I still don't think that they're selling like that. I, that point comes up every single time they do these cuts. I don't think Vince McMahon is selling no. at any point. I mean, I don't is Nick Khan getting the company lean in case Vince dies and then he tries to sell? Maybe. I don't know. I just think Nikon says and, and and probably tells Vince or whatever and says, hey, look, we can cut a million dollars if we release these five guys. And Vince goes, yeah, sure. Who cares? Great. And it's a lot easier to say yes when they lost because I think, look, Triple H spent a decade building uh, a vision for the future of the kind of wrestling he wanted the company to be. And as we just stated, building a team and constructing a team around him. And they're all gone. And that vision is over. And they've got the anchor of the new vision, Braun Breaker, kicking over the old logo before he beats the champion of the old vision. I mean, it couldn't be less subtle. Okay. So, um, you know, that's, and, and I, and my question to you, and it's, I guess it's rhetorical in nature is, is any of this happening? If AEW doesn't kick NXT's ass and embarrass Vince McMahon, no, of course not. Any of this happening? No, no, I don't no. think. I don't think so either. I genuinely do not think so. Because even if, in I, that case, if Nick comes up to it, let's let's assume that it's Nick Khan that's that's looking or whoever you know, whether an accounting guy or whatever is coming up to them and saying, "Hey, we can cut you know five million dollars from the budget or whatever if we do this." I, no, like you're saying, Vince would say no. The, we need this brand. This thing needs to be. It, it's beating our competition. It's stomping down our competition. It's preventing our competition just, from growing. Even if it was just going neck and neck. Right, right. Because that to, to Vince, that's fine. Because that, that is a yeah. win in the case of he's not letting AEW grow. But what happened was is they got cocky and said, yeah, sure, AEW, yeah, yeah, you know, piss ant company. We'll, we'll put it up against our third brand or whatever, and we'll kick their ass. And then they got destroyed, an absolute bloodbath. And it was embarrassing, and, and they did nothing to stop AEW's momentum. In fact, they, all they did was, in, in some cases, AEW got bigger, bigger, bigger a, 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 as time went on. So, no, yeah, it's it's really easy to say, yeah, screw it. No, these guys, they all failed. I mean, at the end of the day, they all failed. Every single person, this the William Regal, the Brian James, and all these, they failed. If you were in that inner circle, if you were in NXT at that time, you failed. And Vince, I mean, he doesn't fucking like failures. So, yeah, when the time comes to to have, you know, a, 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 a you know, a numbers guy like a Nick Khan who has no fucking loyalty whatsoever and doesn't give a shit at the end of the day of, about any of these people or, or anything more than, you know, the bottom line and, and, and the stockholders. If this guy comes and says, hey, we need to cut five million dollars. and I have this. You know, what about these guys? Vince looks at those names and go, they all they all failed me. Every single one of you failed me. You let AEW they, compete and you let AEW survive. I mean, yeah. they, the, you, the plan was and don't get this twisted. 
the plan was that they were going to go head to head with AEW, and AEW would just either not get a new TV contract, or or once that TV, once that new TV contract came, you could see the signs of it were all getting a little weird after that. Yeah, like the yeah. idea was let's beat them in the first year, and TNT goes, ah, whatever, you know, or they just never grow any more than you know an Impact or a TNA or whatever, which is fine. They, right. they you can exist as as whatever in this space when they're going head to head and beating them. Then yeah, from that point forward, they were a failure to Vince. They allowed AEW to survive, and in some cases allowed it to thrive, and and that you're an absolute failure to Vince. Then yeah, they definitely failed in that respect. Um, I don't know if it's fair. To say that the Triple H vision failed in star creation and feeding the main roster. Because as we've said a million times, I I don't know what else the Triple H and the Triple H team could have done. They got people over in NXT. They sold out basketball arenas with these people in NXT. And then they would get called up to the main roster. And Vince and his team either wouldn't see any value in them and wouldn't push them. Or would completely change their presentation from what got them over in the first place uh, in the developmental brand. So there was never synergy between the developmental and the main roster. You get the impression that Vince didn't pay any attention to the developmental brand. And I think what happened was when they lost the war with AEW, it shined a light on everything. And then Vince started to pay attention. And then he looked around and said, now, wait a minute. Every time we call somebody up, I don't like them. And every time I call somebody up, I have to manipulate them and change them and and uh, and, and and put my own stamp on them. And it, I think it really – it was almost as if NXT was existing off on its own and Vince wasn't even really paying attention to it until they lost. Right, right, right. It was – you know, yes, he wasn't getting what he wanted out of it in terms of uh, future stars or whatever. But they were drawing basketball arenas. They were drawing on the road. They were, you know, doing decent stuff on the WWE Network, yada, yada, all that sort of stuff. So then it, it's a lot easier to, to – let go of, hey, they're not giving me the stars that I want, but you know what? They're successful. They're doing their own thing. They're selling out basketball arenas. We're, we're piggybacking on, on, you know, with weekends, uh, with pay-per-view weekends with them. Okay, great. But, you know, like you're saying, when, when, when now you're failing at competing and you're failing at, at – I mean, the, the end goal was, like, don't even let AEW exist. Like, NXT existing yeah. in the way it, w- it was constructed should never have allowed AEW to exist. Like, or in its least, form – Or at least, like you said, hold them down to the point where they're insignificant in the in – the, in the, uh... In, in the general landscape. Right. To and where it, they're not getting good television deals and they're not able to compete for talent. Right. All of those things. And, and, and it didn't do that. And then once it didn't do that, plus you, like you said, the years yeah. and years and years of you're not giving me future stars was like, all right, now what do we do? Okay. Fuck this. You know, you guys, you're done. You're done. Yeah. You failed. I, I, you know, and, and it, sometimes it doesn't take much more than just, you know, what you wake up one day and just go, no, this thing's a mess. Like, well, how much more money, how much more time and money am I going to invest in this thing if I'm not getting what I want and you failed at, at competing with AEW and you failed at stopping down AEW? I'm done. We're done here. And, and, and you know, combine that with, you know, a, a you know, new leadership structure in the company and a guy that we know loves, <laughs> you know, to, all that he really wants is to make more money, make more money, make more money, stockholders, stockholders, stockholders. Yeah. You combine those factors. Vince has no loyalty to you anymore you failed in his mind and you have you know a guy or you have accountant saying hey we should cut money so we can you know our revenue can be x billion instead of what it was before like yeah then of course it's going to be a lot easier to say yeah screw it get rid of all these people who cares you know so yeah and i and for most of them or for a lot of them i don't i don't know where they go if they want to continue a career in wrestling because as far as the people on the creative end writers bookers people of that nature we had this conversation regarding Paul Heyman. I don't think there's a place for people like that in AEW. Tony Khan is not letting go of that 
of, of, of control of his creative. He's just not going to do it. He's been waiting his whole life to do this. He has a real life, uh, you know, uh, name your simulation game of choice going on with real human beings for real money. Something he's been doing his whole life on Excel spreadsheets and in notebooks. And he's not relinquishing that control. He loves it. This is a man who loves sitting on an airplane and writing out the next four weeks of television. He, he's, he's not he, – I don't think, feel like he thinks he needs help. I don't feel like he thinks he needs to delegate. And I definitely don't feel like he thinks he needs to hand over the creative of that company to anyone else. Yeah, the things so, – yeah, and I've always said because people are like, well, he's got – he does all this stuff with the Jaguars and he does the stuff with the football team. And I'm like, I think if you would if, – if, if honestly given if, 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 if Shad or someone sat down and said, Tony, you got to prioritize or whatever – you think he's dropping wrestling first? Mm-hmm. No, <laughs> he's gonna say no, director of analytics. Ah, you know what? I'm good on the Jaguars, or you know what I mean? Like he's probably, the football team. He's probably got. I think he's a, isn't he literally the owner of the football team technically? So um, technically the co-owner. Or yeah, whatever. but like the Jaguars gonna... thing, he could not. He could just not be the quote unquote you know director of analytics or whatever it is. Like he's not he, getting he rid of the wrestling that. thing or whatever. He probably wasn't on. He wasn't on football message boards. You know what I mean? But he was on freaking wrestling message boards, booking shit. Like he's not getting rid of the wrestling. Like the wrestling is going to stay. He's never gonna stop prioritizing wrestling like i think that's Uh, pretty clear to me at this point yes i don't see a role for those types and as far as some of the trainers and 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 veteran types and and also like other companies aren't structured in that same way like there there used to be a long long time where every company would oh well we need writers we need you know promo writers we need that AEW doesn't do that. It's the wrestlers get yeah. their bullet points and you have some producers and you have Tony and that's it. That's it. It's not the same thing where there's 30 guys sitting in a room yelling things at Vince and Vince goes, ah, you know, or it, 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 no other company is structured like that. TNA structure themselves that way because they were dumb Vince and they did. would do that and Vince did it. So John Gaborik said, ah, you know what we need? We need a writer's room. <laughs> like we have yeah. to, you know, it's like, no, you don't, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and- and and Khan openly mocks that. Just last week, he said, "Well, we don't have a room of twenty-seven writers trying to write comedy, you know." So, I don't think those people have a role. And as far as some of these veterans and whatnot, you know, they have their small group of agents, and um, you know, I I I don't know. You know, I'm sure he, he may hire a couple of them that you know people put in a good word for, or that he had a prior relationship with, or he thinks can help him. Um, but. Uh, you know, it's like we need a money mark. To- we need a money marks, and and we're willing to be bought out by this money mark as well. So if you're listening, and you have a billion dollars, or for, something, what a third please. company? Yeah. I, listen, I think the time for a third company, if it's and if it's going to be done right, is right now because there's two that are thriving on television, top of the ratings every night that they're on TV, that are going to get enormous television contracts in the next round. And there is a, a a wealth of free agent talent available, uh, both in terms of wrestlers and behind the scenes. And I'm not saying it would be easy, and I'm not saying it would be an instant success. But if there was ever a time in recent years, ever since WCW and ECW folded, for a real third player to get in the game, I think it would be now. Because I think the most important aspect of that always is getting television. And I think with the success of AEW – there's probably some people running television stations who would be open to listening to a wrestling promoter now, whereas for years and years, none of them were, which is why Impact went tumbling down the dial on worse and worse stations until Anthem bailed them out. But I think the television stations would at least listen now. And 
I mean, they listened to Tony Khan. Now, look, he had a friend on the inside. That helped. And he's got billions of dollars. That helps. And he had, you know, uh, friends in high places and all that. But anyone who gets in the game is going to have to have all those things too. So why can't there be someone else? But But we've talked about this. He's probably one of one. He's probably a unique figure in that he had the money, he had the connections, and he had the knowledge. And I don't know if you're going to find another person who has all three of those things. I mean, this guy is arguably the best booker in wrestling, and he's been doing it for less than three years. He had, you know, he has the knowledge and the know-how on top of having everything else. You could find a lot of people probably that can book a competent pro wrestling show and understand the principles of star creation and all of those things. Okay. You could probably find someone who's a billionaire, who's a wrestling fan, but can you find someone who has all of those things and not just one or two of them? Cause you need all three. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly, but then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Yeah, it's... uh. It's going to be a tough. Yeah, I, I don't know that there is anybody out there. I, I don't know that there's anybody I can I can think of off the top of my head that that is all of those things. But like you said, it, it all it takes is is someone with an idea and some money and 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 a pitch uh, to a network. Because live sports, there there is still tremendous value uh, in live sports. We see that every all, all the time with with you know ratings that. Yeah, and know. now the television and now the people running the networks aren't going to say, ah, well, nobody can do wrestling, but Vince, because now we're seeing that. Right, right, right. That, that it, it's no longer true. So yeah, maybe AEW does help somebody, you know, make that pitch or whatever, but it's, that's you know, what I mean when I say now's the time, because, yeah. the, because without, uh, the, without TV buying into you, it doesn't matter if you have right. the other thing, you still have to, cause you can't do anything without, without TV. But um, now as far as now, someone in our discord had just the best idea when it comes to Gabe Sapolsky, they said, uh, I believe it was hustle in our discord said that at Billy should be calling. Gabe oh Sapolsky my God. Yes. Because that is what that show is. Like. Ever <laughs> yes. Since Laganna <laughs> has been out of the picture. That has been a horrendously booked show. The NWA show. And now you have one of the best bookers breathing with a track record who's free and clear and available. I don't know if they can make it happen. I don't know if Gabe would even be interested. I don't know if Bill- – now listen, Billy Corgan was a huge ROH fan in those days and was at shows and they were using – the song that opens up this podcast was a song that ROH was using to open up their shows. And that's the whole reason we used that song. It was an inside joke. We did an interview with Gabe Sapolsky in like our third or fourth show, and we used that Smashing Pumpkins song as our intro for that specific show where we interviewed Gabe Sapolsky as sort of an Easter egg for other ROH fans. Oh, this is the song we hear at the beginning of ROH shows, you know, when ROH shows are starting. And then we just kept it because we were lazy and we just, so we just kept the song as part of the <laughs> Yeah, show. we've been lazy but, for nine years and 11 months, basically. Yes. I just said, ah, you know what? Decent song. Let's just keep it anyway. So yeah. It's just easier to just keep it. But my point here is there is at least a prior relationship. 
between Gabe Sapolsky and Billy Corgan. I don't know if that relationship still exists. Yeah, uh, there's probably there's got to be some weird like ECW connections with those guys as well. With you know Gabe obviously working in ECW, ECW frequenting Chicago, Billy going to pretty much every Chicago uh, ECW show. Like there's a, a solid chance that those men have had a conversation before uh, about professional wrestling. Now I don't know if that conversation's you know they've had a conversation since you know ni- 1997 or whatever, or you know since 1999 or whatever. But like I don't know. Yeah, I don't know that. But you well, know, no, it'd have to be during the ROH days at least. I, mean, I would think, they, yeah. Well, I mean, he was using theirs. Well, uh, well, what do you mean by that? What do you? Well, I'm, I'm implying that maybe Ring of Honor wasn't clearing all of their uh, uh, music. No, no, I'm pretty sure that that there was a deal. This is what I'm saying. I'm I'm pretty sure there was a deal there. Okay, for that that, for that one they did a deal on. So because Corgan was a big fan and he would go to the shows. Like he, if he shows up to the show and hears his song, he's gonna be like, <laughs> right? He's gonna say, uh... "What the fuck?" Right? <laughs> right. No, no, because this wasn't like entrance music for a wrestler. This was. You're meandering around, yeah, you right, your right, ticket. right. And then when you heard that song come on, and they would they would do the countdown, you know, the the ROH countdown. Oh yeah. I then do. that song. Now this wasn't always the case. It was more the latter years of when Gabe, like maybe oh seven ish. And then that song, that song that is our intro song, would come on, and that's when you were like, all right, I better fucking get to my seat or whatever, because the fucking show start. So Corgan had to be aware. Plus he was a fan. So I'm saying they must have some kind of relationship. I don't know what Corgan thinks of him as a booker. He must think he's good if he went if he was a fan of ROH. So to me, there's a lot of connections there. And my God, that's what NWA needs. Someone to fucking uh put together a proper show. Their show is awful. It's it's just horrendously awful. And I, you know, and I don't know if Sapolsky's interested in that. I don't know if he would look at that roster and be like, oh man. <laughs> The fuck am I supposed to do with this? That might be a fun, that's a fun challenge, man. If you're if you're if you're a booker uh and you have the the blessing of the owner or whatever, that'd be a hell of a challenge. That's like a it's like an EWR scenario there where you have to go to a total extreme wrestling scenario where you have the current NWA roster and you have to make this pile of goo into something. And and hell, that'd be a lot of fun, man. If if you're you know, if you if he's if he's in for a challenge and there's it's kind of a low stress environment, the NWA, I mean, God, it might be perfect. You know, somehow that pile of goo made a shit ton of money in St. Louis for the uh, right. uh, for that three days, and you know if you could just give it some direction, um, you know. But but again, you know I I don't know. Um, uh, I don't want to get too sidetracked. But did you see they changed their business model a little bit there, where they're now back to YouTube? Um, they're going back to YouTube for power, and also a second show called USA. So. The show is still going to premiere on Tuesdays on Fight and then air three days later on for free on Fridays on YouTube. And then there's going to be the show on Saturday called NWA USA. Now they're staying on Fight, but they're changing their business model there too. It's no longer $4.99 a month. What they're doing now is a yearly pass. You pay $49.99 and you're good for the year. You get the first run powers. And you get all of the pay-per-views and specials included in that too. So it's cheaper. If you're an existing customer, it's not only cheaper, but you're getting the pay-per-views essentially for free. I mean, what does that tell us? That tells us, uh, number one, they realized the problem of buzz and exposure was gone without being free on YouTube. I mean, the buzz just completely went away when they paywalled everything, right? And number two, they felt like, if we give it away, okay, if we're giving power away for free on YouTube, we're going to lose all of those subs, which are valuable to us. So we have to provide some kind of value for that. So we're going to bite the bullet and just give everything away for 50 bucks a year. 
I mean, it, it, as someone who does subscribe to it, like it's it's good because now it's cheaper and you get the pay per views for free. But the fact that there's all these moving parts going on there tells you that every if everything was going great, they wouldn't have changed anything. That's the bottom line. Yeah, yeah. So um, that's interesting from that aspect. Uh, Sapolsky. Here's the other thing. Now that he's been with WWE for a year or whatever it was, and loosely affiliated, you know, deep beyond that, he has forged relationships with a lot of wrestlers who he got who he got a lot of people jobs in WWE, like right up to the very end until he took the full time gig. And a lot of those people are available now. Um, I know there's a lot of shit talked about Gabe, and a lot of it is is justified, right? He's he's not by you know he's obviously has his issues. I think he gets too much shit in all honesty. We've said that for years. We have been we have defended Gabe in some aspects even when it's totally unpopular to do so. Uh we haven't been afraid to defend him on some aspects and I I do think people are a bit unfair to him even when it's justified to slam him for certain things. But undoubtedly there's a lot of wrestlers who like him and are loyal to him and understand what he did for them. And a lot of those wrestlers would come back and work for him once they were with WWE. Uh, and, and he has forced a lot of relationships. So if he wanted to start up another boutique indie or something, he could probably do that right now and get a lot of people to work for him. Yeah, that, it's just that's that's a hustle that I just don't know that he's I, I don't know. I don't know the motivations of, of, of Gabe anymore. I'm not sure if after, you know, a year plus of doing the WWE thing or, or however long he's been doing it uh, officially, like. Is he into that hustle again? The you know get on. Well, he definitely you know, burned out on it the first time. Yeah, right, right, right. That's I don't know. I, 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 I honestly, I'm not sure. Yeah, I, I really don't know. I mean that that's because you remember the conversations. There's no more talent. I can't do this anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean the yeah the email. You could tell from the emails too when you were getting those evolve emails. It get you know more and more aggressive. Like, like what more do we have to say? Come to. <laughs> Come to Yuber City, please. We're begging you. <laughs> like we have a great show. Just come. Like you know. So I don't know. Yeah, it. Uh, I don't know if he's got that grind in him. I mean, I hope he does because that'd be great to have an indie that's good. Uh, I would definitely like that. But uh, I don't know. Yeah, it's it's. I'm I'm fascinated to see what happens with him. I mean, he's. I don't think he. T- to me, I don't think he just goes away. I, I don't think he's a guy that just goes into you know the real world because it, it, it's Gabe Sapolsky. This is the only world that he truly, truly knows, you know? So I don't know. I, I, I'm not quite sure what happens with Gabe uh, moving forward, but I, I mean, I'm, he I'm obviously pretty... has relationships with a ton of wrestlers, a ton who are available. And now is a pretty good time to get back into indie wrestling. I mean, because he would do something drastically different than what like game change is doing. And maybe that niche needs to be filled. I mean, there's a lot of disgruntled indie fans like us who just don't have any interest in stuff like game changer who uh, would, would there be enough of us though, to support it even at a boutique level? Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't yeah, know. I don't, the I don't know the answer that. to that either. So, I mean, I know I would support it if, if it was his brand of wrestling, I've always enjoyed anything that he's produced. I mean, but uh, you know, it, it's, uh, I, I, again, like you said, I don't know. He seemed really burnt out on it when, when he finally took the WWE job. And I don't know if it's a world he wants to get back into, but I do think a lot of that was, he felt like there just wasn't enough marketable talent available anymore yeah. because that was the era when WWE had signed everybody. And then when he took the job, he made sure everybody else that worked for him got signed. Yeah, everybody that wasn't signed got signed. And uh, Anthony Green and Leon Ruff and all those Kurt guys. Stallion, yeah, Kurt Stallion, yeah, Kurt Stallion, yeah. You know, and then he got them all in. So, um, 
you know, so, but, but I don't know. He's an interesting name. William Regal's an interesting name, um, you know, because, you know, obviously he was uh, one time uh, a key scout. He would go to all the PWG shows and, I don't know why you need to scout the PW. I thought that was so overrated. Like everyone at the PWG shows is really good. What do you need to scout? <laughs> right. Ah, let's see what, <laughs> what this guy has. Yeah. PWG yeah. already did that work for you. If they're booked on PWG in, in, in 2017, assume that they're already pretty good and just sign them if you want them. You know what I mean? Like they've already done the work for you. Do you really need to peek around the curtain and rub your chin and say, hmm, this Kevin Steen? Uh, <laughs> yeah, they have something in this That's a guy. hot prospect. You know, okay, I yeah. mean, you know, I would send my scouts to tiny indie shows yes. that are completely off the radar. And, and, well, and, and that's, again, when we talk about the ridiculousness of NXT, at a certain point it was absurd because it was just like, you know, quote unquote developmental and they're signing, you know, 34 year old, like really good indie wrestlers. And it's like, what's well, you know, that they've passed that they passed on yeah. 20 other times before, but you know, it was just anti-competitive bullshit that they were doing. Forever. So, but, so my point, yeah, is, I love him is, peering through, ah, this ricochet. Yeah. Wow. Hmm. Okay. Maybe we got something in this guy. <laughs> like, so was he really discovering these diamonds in the rough? I mean, I don't, I'm not sure that he was, you know, um, so I saw him, I, I saw him at blood sport once. So maybe he, uh, found out about Minoru Suzuki at, at that show. So, yeah, that aspect of it may be overrated. You know, I saw, I was at a WrestleMania, one of those WrestleMania weekends, and oh, were you? Was it you that you may have been? No, I don't think it was. Oh, no, 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 this was New Orleans, and there was a Keith Lee match on either. I don't know what show it was. I guess it doesn't matter. But uh, Canyon Seaman with his WWE logo shirt, you know, <laughs> he he comes walking in during the Keith Lee match with his little iPad. And uh, he pulls up a folding chair. You know, the promoter greeted him. Like, oh, here's a chair. Here, take all my talent. Yeah, right. right. So he goes, here's a chair. Steal everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Idiots. You dorks. You fucking U.S. I mean... Oh, my God. How many years does somebody have to do this to everybody? To anybody fucking realizes the same thing with the territories, you idiots. I mean, I get it. It's God. Indie promoters. I, I understand. Oh. It's, indie, it's indie promoters. Hey, can we use your that. talent on USA Wrestling or whatever? Yeah, sure. We'll feature them, and then they'll be more uh, marketable <laughs> to your uh, territory. Oh, great. Yeah, sure. Cool. I understand. Actually, to we're going to sign all of them. Oh, all right. But to be fair, these are indie promoters, and they know they're going to lose everyone anyway. But I get that. Listen, it's still a funny bit. Yeah, but the point sure. is, he puts down the chair, and Seaman sits down, and he's watch- he watched the Keith Lee match. And then uh, and then he got up and he left. Like, that's the only match he was there for. And it's like, Keith Lee was a known commodity at that point. And at this point in his run, it was like, it was just a matter of time before. <laughs> right. Like, so it's like, that's not scouting to me. That's just doing the obvious. So I'm not trying to trash William Regal. I'm just saying... Anybody listening to this show could have went to PWG shows and said, yeah, they're all good. We should give them all a shot. I mean, that's not – there's no – you don't need a keen eye for talent. By the time you're in PWG, you're ready. It's an all-star show. These are people who are, are, are literally less than one step away anyway, and everybody knows that they're ready, and it's just a matter of time. So uh, I don't know. I was never all that impressed with William Regal peeking around the curtain at PWG. <laughs> yeah, I, I know. Yeah, if, if if he's going to New Texas shows, if he's going to the, the, whatever barn you went to or whatever abandoned yes. warehouse that you went to or whatever, then we're talking. It's him and 25 people watching, you know, 19-year-olds that are still having, you know, their, their first 50 matches or whatever, and he goes, oh, wow, this person's got potential. Then we can talk. But, yeah, peering through the curtain to see Ricochet and going, hmm. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. what a talent here as he's, you know, Ricochet, who's made who's in the fucking Tokyo Dome two weeks prior, you know what I mean? Like winning, yeah. <laughs> winning tournaments and winning trophies and winning, you know, best of the super juniors and going, ah, you know what? I think this Kevin Steen guy's got something. Yeah, utterly Scoop ridiculous. him up. 
but uh, but you know, obviously a great mind for wrestling and all that. All the cliches apply to William Regal, and um, clearly a useful person. And and he could be on camera as well. I mean, he's great on camera. So it's a lot of interesting names there. But I think it might be the end of the road for a lot of them, just because there's no other place that that is structured like WWE is. And it just, and then they, they fire everybody over the last season and they hire PD Williams, like the same. Yeah. Thing. That's what, gotta be weird. PD's walking in we, as all these other people are walking out. Like what? <laughs> like, what are they doing? Like, like I don't, yeah, yeah. yeah. Dave Kapoor well, and Scott Armstrong are carrying their boxes out as PD Williams comes uh, in. It's very strange. I, yeah. Well, and I'm going to tell you what they, it's Jeremy Borash. You have to think that he's, yeah. Oh yeah. The show, he, the show looks NXT 2.0 looks like a Borash show. I'll tell you that. Yeah, and this is uh, – now look, d- during this podcast, Jeremy Borat might, <laughs> might get, get – yeah, we'll, we'll but, refresh to make sure. But uh, but when, like you said, when you look at NXT 2.0, when you look at the style of comedy, when you look at the style of the way the show is structured, and you look at Petey Williams coming in the front door when all the Triple H cronies are going out the back door with a box of their belongings, I mean it makes you think that Borash has sort of climbed the chart a bit to some extent. That's just me connecting dots. I don't know anything. Um, for all I know, Jeremy Borash and Petey Williams fucking hate each other and have fucked each other's wives. I don't know. But it, it, but there's some natural dots to be connected there, don't you think? I mean, that's what I was thinking. Well, wh- They're hiring someone in the middle of a firing purge. I mean, it's bizarre. It's strange. So um, I don't know. But, uh, uh, you know, now the, the, the change of vision is complete. And, uh, and, and, you know, what's funny though, is the, and maybe we could transition to this, the, the NXT new year's evil show on Tuesday, that fucking thing resembled a takeover. I mean, work rate, heavy matches, and maybe it wasn't as good as a takeover, but I mean, if it didn't have the splash paint and the 2.0 at the end of it, this was no different structure wise and presentation wise than an old school takeover, at least the television version at minimum. So, uh, the more things change, you know, uh, but it's like, uh, it's the same thing. We'll, we will not truly know if this change in philosophy is a real thing and and whether there's synergy until people start getting called up and we see how they use it. Yeah. And until Braun Breaker makes his debut at the Royal Rumble or or at WrestleMania, that, that to me, that's the first true test is to see, is it truly, because if they bring a guy up from NXT 2.0, whoever it is, or or bring a woman up from NXT 2.0 and push them and, and make them into something and make them into a thing and, and it's a a sustained push or whatever, then we'll know. But uh, yeah, if it's the same old shit that, you know, you bring up, you know, Walter and then Walter's in, you know, undercard tag matches and, and comedy things in backstage on raw or whatever. Then, right. Yeah. Then yeah. Or yeah. Completely repackaged new name, new gimmick, all that sort of stuff. Then we'll know. Or yeah. Braun breaker comes up and they hate everything about him and they change his gear and change his style. All that sort of stuff. We'll, we'll know. But yeah, if they bring up Braun breaker and he's an unstoppable monster, you know, <laughs> you know, that wrestles the way he does still like then, then we'll know. Okay. Yeah. They have actually changed this, but uh, yeah, we haven't gotten there yet. We haven't gotten to that point yet where you can really, I mean, you have, you know, Waller showing up on, on raw and stuff. So it seems to have a little bit more, but that was, they were, they were yeah, that was happy. again. People bring that up, but that's extenuating circumstances. Why they had literally nobody. They needed it for COVID, and they also wanted to have AJ on NXT 2.0 or whatever. But I don't know. I, I don't know what the future holds. The, but that that will be interesting. The first test case was hit row, and that did not go well. Did not go great. No. Um, now that could have been top dollars attitude issues, and then them just saying, "Well, you know what? Fuck it. Just this was the guy we wanted to make. So since we don't really like the other three anyway." 
then what's the point of keeping any yeah. of them? Mm-hmm. And that very much could have been what that was. But that wasn't a very good first test case. And that's why I am not sold, completely sold, and how can you be, on your Cora Jades and your Braun Breakers and your Von Wagners or whoever else. Did you see Von Wagner's promos this week on TV? Uh, I did not, no. Uh, hilariously bad. I am a Von Wagner guy now because he is uh, – <laughs> I don't know what they see in Von Wagner, but I hope he lasts on TV as long as possible because, uh, man, that guy just ain't it. And they are just force feeding him on the TV. Uh, the New Year's Evil show, Rich. How much of this did you see? Uh, I saw a little bit of the Carmelo Hayes, Roderick Strong. There was so much other wrestling going on this week that uh, yeah. I did not catch all of it. I caught a little bit of that match. looked like a lot of fun. Uh, and that is all I caught, unfortunately, of it. I, I was hoping to plan uh, to catch up and all that sort of stuff, but... Uh, Joe, I watched Noah instead of uh, NXT 2.0 New Year's Evil, so uh, you're going to have to uh, uh, do the, the heavy lifting, unfortunately, on it. So. Yeah, it wasn't that bad. I mean, Hayes and, and Roderick Strong. The one thing I'll say about the show Poor is Roddy, man. They took, that cr- they took Hideki from him. Thatcher's gone. Danny Burch. It's just Roddy. Yeah, just there forever. I mean, <laughs> just sitting there. Yeah. I, hey, Roderick, we got a new guy. Can you teach him? And he's just like, you know what I mean? Like, there's just some some new ex, you know, college football player. They're like, hey, Roddy, can we have you for a second? Like, oh, God, Didn't they it. fire his wife, too? Yeah, right. Yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> right. They fired Carino's wife. Man, that's got to be a rough. God damn. They, I think that no, no, they. Sister, sister, sister. Sister, sister. That's what I meant. Um, they, they just hired her like a month or two ago. She yeah. moved her family. Across country. Across the country. Got her kids into a new school system and all that sort of stuff. Gone. Bye. Yeah. Hit the bricks. Yeah. Insane. We had the room in the budget a month ago, but we don't have <laughs> room in the budget don't. now. we don't. You got to go. Your kids? Well, I don't know. Figure it out. Yeah. Tough shit. Hope you like Winter Park, Florida. So, too bad. Yeah. Not our problem. <laughs> How long is that lease? <laughs> right. <laughs> I know. God. that's. I think about that all the time. Uh, you know. I get stressed out about Kathy Carino's like lease, you know what I mean, her condo lease and her apartment lease or whatever. I get like nervous about. I think about that when you get fired. Is like fuck. But you know what? These people every time they're always just like, "Well, thank you for the opportunity for my dream job." What? Yeah, I know, I know these dorks. You know, Taya Valkyrie's the only one I respect. She's like, "Fuck this shit." Yeah, I moved. I I just I just moved my entire life over to you, and you guys fired me. Fuck you. Go to hell. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it, 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 I, it's unbelievable. They still like bow at the fucking. I know, you know? and and if they ever got the call again, they'd they'd go back there in a minute. In Absolutely. a minute. In a minute. Samoa yeah. Joe <laughs> fired twice in nine months. Another one. Yeah. I guess uh, we didn't. Do we want to talk about Joe? I I don't know. We did the Joe thing nine months ago. I don't know. I don't really honestly care that much about Samoa Joe. I don't know what he wants. If he wants to wrestle, you know, then. You know, obviously, he had a, he had a chance nine months ago to wrestle, and he didn't. He did, so. and he chose not to, and he talked shit. Which I don't care. You chose one job over the other and you want to talk shit. That's cool. I don't have a problem with that. But the people that you're talking shit about might have a problem with that. You know, when he talked about the whole, I think the forbidden door is a mistake. I don't see what you gain from that and all that sort of thing. And as we know, Tony Khan can be a very spiteful guy. Mm-hmm. I think <laughs> okay? that's a safe thing to say. Yes. There's been some situations lately that have played out <laughs> that have shown that, you know, so I mean, you know, you have to think. You have to wonder, okay? Uh, 
Big Swole gives her side and says why she exited. And Tony Khan, an hour later, very swiftly, uh, gave his side of why he of why they were separated. Top Dollar talked all that shit about the sneakers, and now he's mocked uh, routinely on uh, Sammy Guevara's blog and everything else. And now they, you know, they just completely shit on the guy and say how he'll never be in AEW. It's it's there's an element in that company where. Uh, if you cross us, uh, but but here's the thing. Well, and, and in a lot of cases now, they, they're 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 in a, a power position as well. You need them more than they need you at this point. Correct. They don't need uh, Samoa Joe. You know what I mean? Like they, especially if you're Samoa Joe or Top Dollar of all people. Like, right, right, you. right, right. And, and that's know? not anything against Samoa Joe. It's just we're talking about 2021 Samoa Joe. Like I, yes. I just don't know that I'm that excited. And there are people that I think still would be like really into like Samoa Joe coming in AEW. I just don't know. I can't get myself excited about it because I, I just don't know that he's as you know very good anymore in, in the ring. And that's fine. Like his body is broken down after years and years and years and years. But like also I just, you know, he had a chance and he didn't take it. So I don't know that now he's going to have that chance and I'm not going to get myself excited about it because yeah, like you said, there, there's also the element of, you know, he didn't take it. Then talk shit, and now he's like, "Hey, how you doing, guys?" And it's like they they might just say, nah, we're, "We're good, man." We also Thanks. don't. Well, we also don't even know if it was offered. True. Yeah. Maybe he went back because it was his only option. We don't know. I mean, we all assume, but maybe there was never an offer. Right. On the table. Right. Yeah. Now, that's and, true. Yeah. You know, if CM Punk walks in Tony's office and says, "Hey, I would, I would like to bring Joe in and do a program with him," I mean, I, you know. Then, then, then everything might change. You know, I don't know. Or maybe Tony Khan is now thinking, because uh, again, we don't know what was offered, if anything was offered at all, or who knows. But, um, and I don't even know if Joe wants to wrestle. Who knows if he even wants to wrestle? Maybe that whole weird thing where he got stripped of the title and everything was because he was like, hey, I don't want to do this anymore. And we're changing gears anyway. Um, you know, I'd rather just have my comfortable office position. I mean, because he's a bigger guy and there's a lot of wear and tear on the body. So I don't I don't know how to break down Joe. I don't know. I don't know what he wants. So that's why it's hard to do. But um, New Year's Evil, I will say that 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 crowd in that building, it was red hot for this. And they're starting to develop that same kind of feel that the uh, that they had in full sale where the crowd really helps everything. Uh, the, The people on the show are starting to get over. And the crowd is red hot for everything, and it makes everything feel better than it is. Like the Carmelo Hayes Roderick Strong match uh, was a good match, but the crowd really like it's the perfect example of a match where if you watch it with the sound off, you'd come away saying, "Ah, that's a pretty good match." You watch it with the sound on, and you might be putting it in your notebook. I mean, the the the, the crowd really lifts everything on these shows. And Hayes won; they 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 uh, merged the titles and everything. So I don't know if. They they build it as a unification match, right? So, um, I don't know if it's one title now or Hayes just has two titles. I really don't. Yeah, know I yet. think I think it's getting all molded into one or whatever. But I guess we'll we'll see. I guess it's the NXT North America. I, I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure if the Cruiserweight goes, the North American goes. I'd imagine the Cruiserweight part of that goes, and it just becomes the North American title. But I I don't know what the hell they're going to do with it moving forward. But yeah, well, two hundred five live is nothing anymore. It's not even it's in, in name only, so it's not like. They're featuring cruiserweights, right? And that could be something from the old regime that they're just getting rid of, this whole idea of cruiserweights. So I- I'm with you. I think they're probably just going to – he'll come out with a singular title next Yeah, I don't know if it's going to be even those two names. It might just be a brand-new name yeah. or something like that. Who knows? But, yeah, I-, I think it's a single title mostly designed to get the cruiserweight title out of there. 
Yeah, and then they had uh, MSK and Riddle against the Imperium, and this was Walter. Uh, you know, slightly the slightly slimmed down Walt. People are making it out like he's, uh, you know, like he's uh, 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 Sal Renaro or Tony Mamaluke. I mean, he's still a, a you know big thick guy. That was the best example of a skinny wrestler. I was gonna say, I was waiting to see what skinny wrestler came up with. <laughs> you bring up Tony Mamaluke. Tony Mamaluke. <laughs> Jeez. Is he even that skinny? I'm trying to think of Tony Mamaluke's even that yeah, skinny. Yeah, remember he took that. He remember he took that famous bump in ROH where he went through, where his body went through the guardrail uh, uh, spigots. Like he was so slim that he went through. Do you remember that bump or no? I don't know if I remember that bump. No. Yeah, he took a bump outside the ring, and his body was so slim that he fit through the guardrail. Like you know, okay. like, yeah, yeah. Those All things right. are like five inches apart. Um, but yeah, that was my example. <laughs> Tony, Ma- how many people listening to this even know who Tommy, Tony Mamaluke are? Like, uh, we're always I, amazed when we when we go to the Discord and people are like, "I've never seen this guy. I've never seen that guy." Like, there's a very small percentage that know Tom- Tony Mamaluke, right? Yeah, I could have just said Zack Saber Junior., but why would I want to be contemporary <laughs> right, in my references? Tony <laughs> right? When did he retire? When's the last time Tony Mamaluke? Uh, um, all over me for the Tony Mamaluke. 2007, he was released from his WWE contract. He showed up on a uh, TNA uh, ECW reunion show, Hardcore Justice. That was in 2010. But other than that, it's it's been. I ordered that show. Yeah, there, I mean, I Joe, there was a lot. People are also probably don't, didn't live through like the 20,000 ECW reunion shows, and each one of them drew for like. Yeah. It wasn't until maybe seven years ago that those stopped drawing. <laughs> like the EC, everybody did one. There was one. There was. There was be one on a weekend of another one. Like they would piggyback ECW nostalgia shows off of one another. Yeah, like one night stand happened, but then you, the hardcore reunion or whatever. What was the name of the one that Shane Douglas did? Shane, uh, h- hardcore forever, hardcore something like that. Uh, like they, there was so much interest in it that even though there was going to be a one night stand, like a big ECW reunion show on Sunday, somebody would piggyback on it on Saturday with another ECW nostalgia show and sell like seven thousand tickets to it. Well, well. Well, Maybe know, not seven thousand tickets, but pump the brakes. But yeah, it, 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 yeah, they would. And then yeah, TNA decided in twenty ten. You know, fuck it, let's do ECW nostalgia justice. Yeah, they yeah. did multiple of them. They did a bunch of the hardcore justices too. So yeah, for a company that closed a decade earlier. Um, but clearly, you know, listen. and here you are making ECW nostalgia references. So you know, I am. And Tommy Dreamer has extended his career by twenty years by being the ECW guy. Uh, that isn't dead and can still reasonably move. So, um, MSK and Riddle versus Imperium. Imperium is so great, and they stand out on this because it's like, why? Are, why? This is like old school NXT. We're like, why are these people on the? Why aren't they on one of the real shows? Um, this was good too. I mean, this was a pretty good show. This was high energy. You look at it on paper, and that's exactly how it delivered. You know, so um, and, and Walter looked great as he always does. And Ackner and Bartell are just they're just so good. I mean, they should just be the tag team champions on one of the two brands and they should just be running through everybody. It's never going to happen. But I mean, that's how I would use them. Uh, but, yeah, it was a good match. And, and not book the Usos in the New Day again. I mean, come on, Joe. This is ridiculous. You want another tag team to be in the company? Get out of here. They could have great matches with both of them. Yes. Teams, yes. Period. Break up the never-ending rematches of, of those two teams. Yeah. And it was uh, Mandy Rose with the Cora Jade and Raquel Gonzalez. Um, I don't 
What do you want me to say? You know, it's a developmental show, Rich. Uh, this was like their their big show. So a lot of the super green people weren't on it. But um, I don't know. This was nothing. Much like the previous match, exactly what you think it's going to be on paper. Um, and then Braun Breaker, Tommaso Ciampa, which I thought this was the best that Braun Breaker has looked. I've heard that from a lot of people. I do want to check this match out because people that I do trust have said this is the best Breaker's been. Like he 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 looked like a guy who belonged in this match. Yeah, it's uh, you know, Breaker has all of the outside. He has the presence. He can talk. Uh, he's got a lot of dumb jock energy, which I like. But between the bells, there was there's always something missing there, which, you know, he's had like 10 matches in his life. So it's understandable. But to me, this was where he looked best between the bells. Just not even just execution of moves and shit like that, but just uh, the way he carried himself and and um, the way you know he, he used his, his body to express himself and all those little things that take a long time for a wrestler to understand because they're busy thinking their way through spots and and, the, and those sorts of things. But no, he looked good here. And Tommaso Ciampa did a good job with him. And it was a really good match. And Breaker won. And first he kicked the uh, the yellow N or X or whatever, the old yellow NXT X out of the way. It was all very symbolic. And then they're beating a guy. And Ciampa, the way he's tweeting and, and saying, like, it seems like he might be on the way out. Yeah, I don't so. know if he's if he's leaving NXT or going to a producer role or something. But yeah, you had the hearts, the colored hearts, him waving yeah. goodbye. Like, it felt... It felt pretty symbolic. Yeah, I, I, I did not see this match, so I can't speak to that. But yeah, the tweets that came out afterwards felt very much like not just the guy who loses his top title. And, and what more do you have? I mean, there's really nothing else to do with Ciampa in, in NXT uh, as well. I mean, this is, again, this is how a developmental company should be. Like, once you're done with this guy and you're, you've realized that there's nothing else to do with him, then he just kind of goes away. You know what I mean? And, and, and whether it be, yeah, he goes and starts doing stuff backstage or they release him or whatever. Yeah, it, it seems like the end of his chapter because we know that he's not going to go to the main roster. We know that's not going to happen. And, and I don't know that he, he, you know, I guess he could have the veteran hand thing or whatever, but I don't know if that they're that interested in having a lot of veteran hands on the show. There's a few, but I don't know. Does he count into that? I, I'm not sure. Yeah. But I mean, usually NXT 2.0 is pretty brutal. This was, this was good. This was a good show um, because, you know, it, it, it was sort of their de facto kind of, I don't want to say pay-per-view because they literally had a pay-per-view, right? But, you know, it was one of their quarterly specials, I guess, whatever you want to call it. And they built towards this. And it was all the good workers. It was like everyone who's good. So uh, it was a really good show. Um, but yeah, and, and the crowd really elevated, really lifted everything to another level. So that was the New Year's Evil. And then uh, I guess we should do day one. May as well do it now, right? Yeah, Instead let's of- let's let's stick in WWE land here. Uh, and then uh, so this was uh, WWE's first ever premium live event. Uh, I think it was the best premium live event I've ever seen, Joe. Um, you know what? I I got a hot take. I like that verbiage. Premium live. Well, okay. I don't dislike the verbiage. I dislike that I heard it seven thousand times on well, uh, WWE day it's one. WWE, of yeah, course. So they had to let you know that it is a premium live event, and this is our premium live event, and you're watching a premium live event on Peacock. So yeah, yeah. I I'm I'm with you that pay per view is very outdated, yeah. very, very outdated. Awkward term, awkward term, antiquated. And if you're gonna change it, I don't mind premium live events. I think it's uh, I, I I would love to rip them for this one, but um. Are people going to say PLE? Are they going to say that? Do you think? I don't know. No? That's the PPV is uh, pay-per-view is so easy to cut. To me, it rolls off the tongue, but that's just because I grew up in that era. So I don't know. Yeah. It's uh, yeah, the, the, yeah, PPV is just so easy to type and, <laughs> and tweet about well, or whatever. Nobody, so no one, no one 
one says PPV. They say pay-per-view because right. it's one syllable each. Right, right, right. No one's going to say premium live event. Like, are people going to say – I think if they push PLE as a term, people will say it because these lemmings will say anything WWE says. You, you've got <laughs> – You've got people who like refer to wrestlers as superstars, right? Like, because <laughs> yeah. WWE does. You know what I mean? Like you'll see people tweet things like, uh, "Oh, who's your favorite superstar?" Or they'll be like, oh, I, "I wonder if so and so will get a championship opportunity." If you say it enough on on your yeah, on- oh, I see people. I see legit people say championship opportunity, and I'm like, "Go fuck yourself! <laughs> what are you yeah. doing?" Yeah, it's it's so. Yeah, yeah. It's what is the best about all of that, though. In his thirty years of conquest, he has never been able to have anybody ever utter the term sports entertainment. No, not one human being besides a WWE contracted employee has ever once said sports entertainment. They have tried for thirty years to get them yeah. to say sports. People will say superstar. People will eventually say premium live event. People will say championship opportunity. People will say triple threat. You yes. know. Yeah. They will never say sports. They have tried so hard. The only thing Vince McMahon would, would, he might die. If if somebody just said sports entertainment, he might die peacefully. You know what I mean? Like he might just say, okay, today is the day, Lord, please take me. Because somebody has finally said in a real conversation, sports entertainment, but it's not going to be tomorrow. Uh, It's not going to be next week. I don't know when it's going to be, but, but I, I, I don't know. Will they ever do it? Will anybody ever Joe in a real conversation say sports entertainment? No. I don't think so either. <laughs> no, just people in that company and people who are writing articles for like Forbes or something because that's what they say in the company. You know what I mean? Like no no wrestling fan is ever going to refer to it as that. They're always going to call it wrestling. That's going to be the one great failure of Vince. <laughs> He's never getting that term over. That term's never getting over. Yeah, the over. XFL and sports entertainment will just it just never ever work for Vince. Yeah, PLE might get over. I don't know, but see, I think they're going to say premium live events instead of PLE. Yeah, oh, for sure, for sure. And see, I think if they say PLE, it'll get over, but they're not going to. And I don't think premium live events will get over because it's too wordy. I don't think people are going to say premium live events. I mean, they're going to keep saying pay-per-view, right? I don't know. But what did you think of this premium live event? Uh, Joe, this premium live event, as I said, the best premium live event I think I've ever seen. Uh, No, but WWE Day 1, it was... Fine. I don't know. It was it was okay. I mean, it's like I don't know. I have no I don't have any feelings about this company at all anymore. I don't get angry about them. I just I watch them and my eyes glaze over and I'm just like, when is it gonna end? And then it's Rich, over. Someone Rich, Rich. Someone in the chat said box like structure again. <laughs> <laughs> I can't I always forget. It's the best running it's box so funny. Like structure. <laughs> the feed is emerging from a box like structure. <laughs> they can't just say box. <laughs> why can't you just say the best box? part is yeah so what you know what happened was is they were like they were showing the box <laughs> and vince walked by and they said hey what do you think of this box and he goes this isn't a box and they go, vince is the box and he goes that's not a box the box is that and he points you know to like a, a cardboard box a that's a box <laughs> like, that is a box like structure yeah. <laughs> and poor michael cole who's got to write on his fucking ipad if you're gonna box say like okay, structure. if you're gonna say box like structure, why can't you just say box? You're saying the word anyway. It wasn't a box, Joe. It was a box like structure. I, I no, get it. I, I, I get it. I understand. It wasn't okay. a box. No, but if they're gonna, they <laughs> it was a box like structure. If they would have called it a crate like structure, <laughs> or 
a storage device yeah. <laughs> or a rectangular storage, structure a, a uh... rectangular storage units if they would have said anything else i'd be like okay these psychopaths don't want to use the word box but they called it a box <laughs> anyway why do you have to tack on like structure if you're saying <laughs> box anyway just call it a box what is the problem <laughs> I love it. This company's ridiculous. Oh my, my god! My sides hurt. <laughs> and then when you see it typed out, like in the chat, <laughs> it's absurd. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. Box-like structure. <laughs> It'll never Why? not laugh. I mean, we're 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 coming up on the year anniversary of the box-like structure. I just will never not. We just laughed about it last week too, like my crying, and I'm crying are, again. My yeah. Eyes are tearing at <laughs> box-like structure. I can't. <laughs> oh god. Anyway, we better talk about this premium live event. Um, let's just start at the main uh, event. Uh, don't remember. How much longer is this show? Uh, we have. Uh, in uh, about Hour two hours, half, right? about two hours, about two hours. Because I already pissed twice in an empty Coke Z Uh-oh. bottle, uh, empty Coke Z can while we were doing this, and now it's completely full. So uh, I'm just trying to time out. Yeah, time uh, it out. We got you. Got about an uh, hour and forty minutes. Hour forty. Like if I have to pee at some point, I'll know. Oh, okay, I can. Well, don't do it during the uh, WWE Day One Premium Live Event review because uh, that could I go can't pretty. Leave you quick. Hanging on that. Yeah, one. don't leave right. me on that one. You could maybe. Uh, well, we were talking about Noah, maybe you can leave me uh, hanging on that. But, uh, yeah, please don't leave me hanging on this uh, premium live event here. Uh, anyway, uh, WWE Day 1 main event, Fatal 5-Way. Uh, obviously, a lot of things get changed uh, last minute. Uh, Roman Reigns has COVID, even though they told everybody, please don't go anywhere. They took everybody off the house shows, and they said, don't test yourselves. And then Roman still uh, was able to, uh, to find his way into some COVID. So uh, he is out. That match is out. They put Brock Lesnar in the Fatal 5-Way, and... Uh, we talked about this on one of our instant reactions, like the the euphoria that came over me knowing the takes that are going to be there and the fact that I don't have to be involved in those takes anymore on Twitter. And I was like, oh, my man, I told you last week that Biggie was losing this title to one of these dorks when they put Brock in this match. I was like, oh, he is beating Biggie so clearly in the middle of this ring so easily. I thought maybe it would take two F5s, but I knew he, Brock goes in there eight minutes and 20 seconds. One F five, one two three, Biggie, you're out of the the picture, pal. Thanks for playing, thanks for coming, and uh, we were right as as unfortunately usually we are we are we are right again. So um, we had a lot of weird people saying, "Oh, what a what a great run Biggie had, what a what a monumental title run." It's all he did was lose. <laughs> he didn't do any. All that happened was people stopped watching and he lost a lot. Like I I don't know, Joe. I I, I have higher expectations for what I thought Biggie's initial title run was going to be, other than losing a lot and nobody watching. But to each their own, I guess. So I mean, before it happened, you mean? Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, here's the thing. This Brock wasn't even in this match two hours before it happened. Like, so this was all a last minute change. And they still decided that the best course of action was not only for Brock to win, but to pin Big E. Right. Not and not tells you, not pin Seth Rollins, not pin Kevin Owens, pin Big Rich, E. Kevin Owens hasn't been pushed since the Obama administration. Why can't you just pin Kevin Owens? Like, there's no reason you can't pin Kevin Owens. You know, like, so they made the decision to beat Big E, and that tells you everything you need to know about where Big E stands. 
as if the way Big E won the title didn't already tell you that. They did not want you to think that Big E was better than Bobby Lashley. So they made sure that Bobby Lashley was tired and on an injured leg. Then Big E lost. Which, like, can we can we not retcon how that title win happened? Because we kind of have retconned it. He came out. Yes, he called his shot that he was going to cash in or whatever. Bobby Lashley had wrestled a match and was limping when Big E came out. We ta- we were the only people that were brave enough to talk about it that week when everybody else was throwing roses. Is that that told you all you needed to know about what they thought about Big E is that they couldn't have him go out there and face Bobby Lashley one-on-one. They had him cash in on Bobby Lashley, and Lashley was hurt and selling a leg injury. Yeah. yeah, I say, yeah. And we were the only people that were able to tell you that. Hey, that's not a great way to start this title run. I'd be a little bit worried if I was a fan of Big E. No, exactly. Listened. Nobody we, listened. I, I said you were on vacation, but I did a whole big. Th- I yeah. opened up the fucking show with that, and then the follow. Then the follow up was horrendous. He lost like the next night on on the next raw on the next SmackDown or Raw or whatever it was. Top of my head, but then he lost like five or six more times as champion. Yeah, he got people pinned. have. Yeah, he's getting. He's been getting pinned in like tag matches and stuff. He he got pinned clean as a sheet by Roman Reigns. What did that tell you? that they don't see him on the same level as Roman Reigns. So they don't see him on the same level as Bobby Lashley. They don't see him on the same level as Roman Reigns. And uh, when they had a chance to tear up the script and were pressed and had to do something different on this pay-per-view, they told you that he's not on the same level as Brock Lesnar. In fact, they made sure that Brock Lesnar pinned him and not anybody else in the match. That's not how you treat somebody who you see as a star and who you want to protect. The bottom line with Big E is regardless of the fact that they put the WWE world title on him, is that they never stopped viewing him as a mid-card wrestler. He's an upper mid-card wrestler for sure, but that's how they view him. And um, I think a lot of – some people have come around on this after they saw how his title reign played out and how bad it was, but there's still some people dragging their feet on it. Um, there's still some people who might just not understand what a real babyface world championship run is supposed to look like when you believe in somebody because WWE has always been booked this way and they just, you know, they don't get it. And then there's other people who I just think I have to just assume are being disingenuous because there's no way you can think that this was a good title reign. I mean, he lost too many times. Here's how many times Big E should have lost during this title reign. Zero. Oh, that's that, a hot take, Joe. That, yeah, that's weird. Okay, zero. So you think that this world champion should win all of his matches? Correct. Hmm. Okay, all right. Now, you might be saying, well, Joe, you would have had him beat Roman Reigns. And my answer is this. I would have booked the match. If I didn't want Roman to lose, I wouldn't have booked Big E versus Roman Reigns. I would have done something else on that show because I wouldn't have wanted either of those men to lose. You know? So it's like, and, and and I wouldn't have had him lose his title directly to Brock Lesnar with three other men right there who could have taken the pin. Rich, let's imagine a world. This is, this is going to sound crazy. Let's imagine a world where Big E was properly built uh, up before his title win, where he won three or four straight pay-per-view matches and was running off wins on TV. And he had that money in the bank gimmick. And he said, Bobby Lashley... I'm cashing this in, but you had a hard match tonight and your leg isn't working properly and I don't want to win that way. So I'm taking you on next week when you're healthy. And if you're not healthy, let me know. We'll put it off another week, but I'm getting you in that ring and I'm going to beat you at your best. And then he beats Bobby Lashley the next week at his best. And then instead of losing a tag team match on the, on the Raw the very next week, 
to the bloodline uh, of, of the Usos and Roman Reigns. Uh, you know, the New Day lost to the bloodline like uh, uh, – couple weeks later i don't know if it was the very yeah it was the very next raw right because that Mm -hmm. was the one where they did uh they opened it up with roman reigns and bobby lashley right and then they did a second match later on that night remember isn't that what it was i think so yeah but yeah either way the point is the very next week on raw after biggie won the title he lost two matches he lost two matches the next week. He lost the triple threat, and then they lost the, t- the six-man main event. Seven days after he won the title from a man that was limping around on one leg. And people couldn't see that this wasn't going well. People couldn't see that they didn't believe in this guy as a real champion. I mean, they were telling you, without any hint of subtlety, that Roman Reigns was the real champion. This was a WWE world title reign that was the equivalent of an intercontinental title run. And worse than the way the Intercontinental title was treated for 20 years until they ruined that one too. But imagine a world where he beats Bobby Lashley fair and square. And imagine a world where he wins his match the next week on Raw. Okay? And imagine a world where he wins all of his matches. And then they get to uh, this day one show. And Roman Reigns catches COVID and they put Brock Lesnar into his match. Okay? And he beats Brock Lesnar. Now we're cooking with guests, and maybe this guy catches on. Maybe he doesn't. Maybe it doesn't work. Right, right. Like, or or if you if you need to have the title go to Brock Lesnar, if you think that's what we got to do, we have to have the title go to Brock Lesnar, the great scenario to be to, to, to be at and, and what would build for a future match and get people anticipated for a future match or whatever is Big E has been beating everybody, beating everybody, beating everybody, beating everybody, and then Brock pins Kevin Owens, like you said, and loses the title. Big E loses the title. And then you might have some, you know, a little bit of a heel face where, where Big E can say, you know, this is bullshit. Like, I all I've been doing out here is winning, and now you put this guy in this match. He he doesn't even pin me. I lose my title. You know, on a, on a moment's notice, you put Brock Lesnar in this match or whatever. There's a way to build that. If you truly have to get the – I'm with you that I would just have him beat Brock Lesnar because you need to create future stars because you don't have any stars. And when you one of your one person gets hurt and one guy gets COVID, you have no fucking idea what to do anymore. Like, yeah, the idea then would be, okay, then we could build up a future Big E versus Brock Lesnar match. And that, you know, that would be the way that I would do that. Or I would just have him beat him. You know, there's two scenarios that could play out. Yeah. The last scenario oh. that would play out is have him lose all, have him win his title by nefarious means, lose every match in between then, uh, and then get and then get pinned by Brock Lesnar in, in eight See, minutes. I wouldn't even have him beat Brock because Brock Roman is the match they're doing at WrestleMania, and and so you want to protect that. But um, and I know everything got screwed up when Roman got COVID, but you know maybe Big E beats one of the other people in this match. And, you know, Brock is protected. Big E is protected. But here's the thing, Rich, and here's the thing. Before Roman caught COVID, the plan was for Seth Rollins to beat Big E anyway. Exactly. Like I said, I said that on last week. Like, so, I, I, it was a yeah. mortal lock to me that he was not winning this match. Yeah. So it's like that, again, tells you everything you need to know. Where now they had an opportunity. They're like, we're going to beat him anyway. And now they had an opportunity to have, uh, you know, Brock pinned. Here's the bottom line. Big E was either getting pinned by Seth Rollins and or pinned by Brock Lesnar. It's, it's just crazy how people can't see how this wasn't, like, designed to get him over. As a, and you can talk about his outside-of-the-ring appearances until you're fucking out of breath. Nobody cares. I couldn't care less that he was on college game day for five minutes. Who cares? Why is that? A, it doesn't mean anything. Okay? They, 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 that's not 
you know, it's so what? He showed up at a boxing event. What? Like, what are we doing here? Also, they don't care because they just had him lose. <laughs> so yeah. Like, obviously, the company doesn't think that means anything either because they didn't believe in him and he, and, he, and, he, and he lost to the real star. He faced two real stars on this run and he lost to them all three times. He lost to Roman twice and he lost to Brock Lesnar. That tells you all you need to know about what they thought of him. Yeah. And, here, and here's, a, here's another clue of what they think of him. Brock Lesnar took his title and is moving on to Roman Reigns. Okay? And before he gets to Roman Reigns... He's got Bobby Lashley. Yep. He's got Bobby Lashley. Not Big E. Because Bobby Lashley's ahead of Big E in the pecking order. And always well, was. Well, he, he, can, he can get behind Kofi Kingston in the uh, we're, we're deserved rematches uh, uh, line as well. Yeah. We're, yeah. Kofi's well, still waiting on that one three years later, but... That's what we're doing now. That's what we're doing now. I mean, you know... And it's like, and here, here's the best one I've seen. You're going to love this one. There's people who are like, oh, well, there's no shame in losing the Brock Lesnar because Brock Lesnar is, uh, is Brock Lesnar and he's a huge star. That's the fucking point. That <laughs> right. right. Yes. That's the fucking point. No, there's like, no shame in it, but it also says that you're not a star. So that's telling me that even, you know, Big E is not on his level because right. you're telling me that it's not, a, you know what I mean? Like people are saying this. And I'm just slapping my forehead. I'm like, that, then you fucking agree with me then. Then we're all in agreement that Big E is not on Brock's level. This is what I'm saying. The, 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 the goal here should be to get him to that yes, level. Yes, yes, yes. I mean, for guy, fuck. And we've, I mean, we've said we that for 10 years now at this point. As long as this podcast is almost the entire time this podcast has existed, we've said that Big E is a guy that they should get behind. And they finally do begrudgingly given the title, but we, we knew it. We knew it when we saw that, how that result was, and we knew it. You, all you had to do was watch the booking the week after and know that this thing was not going to last. Clearly they had, all right, we gave this guy the, the money in the bank briefcase, but it'll be a short-term little story. But when we need to go tell our stories and get to WrestleMania, this guy is going to be a complete non-factor in that, and he will absolutely be a non-factor in that. And and that sucks, but, you know, we're right. Again, like we've been, We're idiots. We've been watching this shit for way longer than we should. Trust us when we say this stuff. You can see this stuff coming from a mile away. You and I know how that company operates. We know how Vince McMahon operates. We get it. Listen to us sometimes. You know? We're, we're pretty right about this company a lot of times. It's not that hard to figure them out. You, all you have to do is watch this shit your entire goddamn life, and you can figure out the patterns. I knew it immediately. But, we knew it immediately. You know? Immediately. And then it played out exactly how we <laughs> exactly thought. Exactly how it played. Exactly the same way we said it was going to play out. This is one of the worst title reigns they've ever had in terms of how oh, this is. Champion. Yeah, this is this is Rey Mysterio level. This is the Vince is getting into the writer's room every single week and saying, hey, when's he going to lose? Hey, are we going to lose this week? I mean, that, that's people would say that that's what Vince would get in that room and say, all right, how is Rey losing this week? And they would have to every single week talk him off the ledge until eventually I he mean, lost. But yeah, it, it's it's that level. It's Jack Swagger. It's Rey Mysterio. It's it's right up there. He beat Drew at Crown Jewel. That's probably his best win. And then it's like TV wins over like, you know, Kevin Owens. Yeah, let's uh, let me let's look at this reign in totality Austin here. Theory. Yeah. Um. Yeah, literally. Uh, let me get singles week. matches, TV pay per views since he uh, since he won the title. Well, I ran them all down. That that's all. Uh, I think that's it. Yeah. So he beats Bobby Lashley in a steel cage. Uh, the week after he he won the title. Uh, no, no, and- no, 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 no. The week after he won the title, he lost twice on Raw. Well, I'm talking about this just singles matches, just singles matches. Oh, this, sorry, this is like a couple weeks after this. This is at the end of the month. He beats Bobby Lashley 
On the yeah, 27th, the he beats match. him in a, in a cage match. Then he goes to a no contest. Or, oh, that was the same. That was no, the no, same, the same yeah. show. They did the no contest to open the show. Right, right. Yeah, right, 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 right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, he beats Dolph Ziggler on Tribute to the Troops, which doesn't even, I mean. Non-canon. Non-canon. It doesn't count. No uh, yeah. Beats Drew McIntyre at Crown Jewel. It's a good win. Beats Kevin Owens on Raw. Uh, Kevin Owens a mid-carder. No one cares. Yeah. Beats uh, Chad Gable. Uh, he's nothing. Yeah, no Absolutely nothing. Uh, gets beaten by Roman Reigns at Survivor Series. Right. Clean as a sheet in Clean, the center yeah. of the ring. Yep. Yeah. Uh, beats Austin Theory, as you said. Yeah. I mean, these are nice TV wins, but it's like... You know, <laughs> these it's aren't definitive. Yeah, the, yeah, the only definitive one, one of them happened in Rehide. So, you know what I mean? Like, it's not... Right. And right. then Kevin Owens, I guess, is fine. So then he uh, he loses uh, by DQ to Kevin Owens. Uh, he def- set up a match. A yeah, he defeats later. him in a steel cage match. Then no DQ, he loses to Bobby Lashley loses. as champion. Yeah, as champion. That is now the third. That is the third televised singles match. If you count the three way with Roman Reigns and Lashley the week after he won the title, where he lost as champion yep. on TV in a singles match. That tells three. you everything you need to know. <laughs> and, and this wasn't a five year title reign, Rich. It was a three month title. It was a hundred day title reign. And he lost three times in singles matches on TV during a 100-day title reign. What more do you need to know? And then he lost to Brock and, the guy, and was the guy that got beat. They don't believe in him as a top guy. You as a fan might. They don't believe in him. And as I said, you only get a, a one chance to, 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 to crown a guy the first time. And WWE fans recognize these types of patterns. and. You know, we've seen it with Braun Strowman. We've seen it with Ryback. Uh, there might be more contemporary examples where if the the fans get behind somebody and then the company doesn't pull the trigger fully or at all, the fans lose faith in them as top guys. I'm not saying that's definitely going to happen to Big E, but they have sure done a good job making sure that the fans know where they think Big E is slotted. And that's below Bobby Lashley, below, way below Roman Reigns, and way below Brock Lesnar. So, really, what did this title reign do? He's beaten guys he would have beaten before. Yeah. That's so. So, what did the reign do? He's not beating the guys that he that he that he. That, he's not beating anybody new that was previously slotted above him. Right, and now now that the big shows are coming, now the Rumbles coming and Mania is coming he's or whatever, he's out of the picture. Yeah. So that that again. You know, sorry, <laughs> we, we we watched this stuff enough to tell you that this was good, what was going to happen, and it played out in in unbelievably exactly how we. I mean, not even like diverted at all, like almost in exactly how we thought it would happen. Except we didn't think Brock was going to pin him because Brock wasn't in the match. We thought somebody was going to pin him. It makes it even better when Brock when Brock got announced to that match. I would have put and I should have went to my bookie. We'll talk about them in a minute. I should have went to my bookie and put. All of my money on 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 Biggie losing or whatever whatever scenario. I don't know if they updated it and and put Brock in the odds or whatever. I mean, I would have bet the entire house on Brock pinning Biggie in this match, and and it's exactly what happened. So, yeah, there yeah, not not good. It's a shame. Um, you know, I did an intelligentsia and talked about the situation, and really, it's like I don't want to take a victory lap on this. It's just pathetic. You know, it's just it's. It's just we we. I mean, this is just something to listen. You know. Remember this, <laughs> you know, like, no I, I don't know. Learns. No one ever learns. I mean, there's already people saying, oh, well, how do we, how do we get him back in the title mix? I think if he, be, it's like, do you not mm-hmm. learn? Do you not learn? 
All right, so at some point next year, he wins this title again. They're just going to treat him like this again. So what's the deal? What's it matter? The, the, the fake title championship thing. Like, it doesn't matter. Everyone knows he wasn't the real champion. Roman was. Roman beat him twice. Clean in the middle the second time at Survivor Series. That's your real champion. He wasn't treated at that level. And then people say, oh, well, he's not Roman. Yeah, that's the point. Why can't he be? You know, and then it's like a circular thing. It's like, oh, well, of course. Well, he's not this guy. Well, yeah. Yeah, right. That's what I'm saying. I agree. (laughs) Right. Yeah, exactly. You know, and they have no interest in making him that guy. Now, it'd be different if he beat Roman and he won the three-way and he he beat Bobby Lashley every time he wrestled him. And then he still wasn't getting over. Well, okay, you tried at least. You know, then you stick him back in his goofy tag team and let him throw his pancakes because you gave it a shot and it didn't work. Right. But then it doesn't help when Raw does the worst numbers they've ever done in their history while he was champion. Right. Then Brock Lesnar wins the title and Raw bounces back the next week. It's a bad look. What does it tell you? Fans didn't care about Big E's title reign. Why? You didn't make them care. Yeah, they didn't. They were given absolutely zero reason to care. Because you told everybody that a mid-carder had the title. That's a big reason why the Raw ratings plummeted and why Raw ticket sales went in the toilet when this guy was champion. Because you were telling the fans by the way that you were booking him, we don't take him seriously. Right. And and this company has done these self-fulfilling prophecies time and time and time and time and time again. And and now they've done it so often that there's a generation of fans, like you said, that say, "Well, this guy's not on that level." You know, well, yeah, he lost to Brock. <laughs> Brock's Brock. And so, yeah, that's the yeah, like you said, that's the point. Like yeah. you know, but we they've done it for so long that there's a whole generation that thinks that that this is the way it should be done and, and needs to be done. So and now there's a champion who's a legitimate star, and the rating bounces back. Mm-hmm. Even with football, there, Rich, crazy how that happened. You know, football. I, I always hear that football. Yeah, well, you can't do anything about the football. Well, the rating bounced back against football. And and all of the shows that Brock has announced for are pushing tickets. Yeah, like legit sellout this week at, at SmackDown. So Now, granted, we have to put the caveat. I think it's a 6,000-seat building. Okay, but still, the tickets are all sold. And we don't know if they would have without Brock. Day one did very well because Brock was announced for the show. Brock and Roman. Okay? Brock and Roman's going to do well. We already see – because, I mean – Here's what Brock should do. Okay, here's what they should do. They should book Brock, and if he's booked to beat Roman, and I don't know if he is, and he probably isn't, he should not only snatch that title, he should snatch that needle mover T-shirt right off his chest too because that's the real thing. <laughs> yeah, he should. Brock Lesnar's the needle mover. I mean, this is like when Cena came in, right? Yeah, it's an immediate – like the company just feels bigger and more important once that guy comes into the, the picture. Yeah. Cena and, shows up and every people, show he's and, on. Yeah, everybody buys tickets. Everybody watches yeah. the shows. Everybody, you know, it's just, it's amazing. Yeah. Brock shows up. Ratings go up. Fucking, uh, they're selling out shows. Right? Because, yeah. And you would think that they'd think to themselves, well, we want more of this. Yeah, guy. we should have other Brocks and not just a Brock, but no. Right. Yeah. And maybe we can, you know, maybe Big E has the potential to be that. But see, they never thought he did. So they never gave it an honest shot. And so it goes. Mm-hmm. You know, but these people, these some of these people never learn. And, and, and you know, I'm not talking about Twitter eggs. I'm talking about pundits and people in the industry who are paid to a- analyze this stuff. They never learn. They'll tell you that Big E and, and fucking Liv Morgan and, and Bianca Belair, they'll tell you that these people are big stars. Big stars. Because they never learn. Liv Morgan 
Yeah, speaking of you only live once. Um... Actually, I guess we'll get to that. Well, you want to talk about that, Matt? Yeah, let's, guess, go, let's, let's go that go way. Yeah. yeah, Let's go back. I do want to say this, too. I had one other point about the uh, main event match, and I think I forgot my point. Oh, whatever they were going to do with Brock and Roman now, like they still have to do it because Heyman didn't come back for this match. Because remember, the whole big thing was... Well, but see, did you see the Raw segment? Uh, which Ross segment are you talking about? The the one this week where essentially Paul was just like on Brock's side again. Yeah, well, I think they were going to do some big angle. Right. The Brock-Roman match, but then Roman wasn't there, so they had to tear it up. And they went in a wild new direction because they put the other title on Brock now. So whatever the big angle was supposed to be with Lesnar, Roman, and Heyman, they have to do it at another show now. So... Or they have to find another way to get to where they were going because this was just an 11 minute match where Brock gave everybody F5s and pinned Big E clean in the middle. There was like no angle to speak of here. So I don't know if this raw thing you're talking about is what was the like, I, I was under the impression they were planning a huge angle for day one to set up. Oh, for sure. No, they definitely were. But it seems like they just decided to skip that and just have Heyman be with Brock again. But maybe this is part of the long play. I don't well, know. Well, Roman Roman fired Heyman before day one. Right, 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 right. But we all kind of thought so, that maybe it was going to be a screw job and he goes back with. But yeah, I guess they. No, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, because Roman wasn't there. Yeah. So I guess whatever's going to happen with Roman and Brock is going to happen now. Yeah. And now it looks like it's really awkward now because now they both have the. T- like, so what headlines the other night? A women's match? <laughs> Brock and. Brock and. Roman again. <laughs> I don't know. They have nothing else. Because they don't have a woman's program. They don't have anything, though. Joe. <laughs> Drew McIntyre's hurt, and they have no fun. Who is the next title contender? Who can, who's going to step up and get the next championship opportunity at the next premium live event, Joe, now that Drew McIntyre's hurt in SmackDown? Who from SmackDown? Well, well, yeah. Sami Zayn? That's raw. Yeah, SmackDown's fucked. <laughs> they don't have anybody or anything. Well, well it's Le- Brock. It's Brock. Brock is on SmackDown, but he has the Raw title. That's yeah, he's a free saying. agent. Well, he's a free agent, Joe. Yeah, so Brock, Brock is Roman's guy. You're right, 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 right. No, I'm but just I'm saying, saying that they don't have anything. Like you're saying, well, what do they do on this? or what? Do they, they don't have any plan for anything. One yeah. guy gets hurt, and they, they're literally like, oh, I don't know what he wants to do now. We have no clue. Like, I know they don't have any idea what they're going to do this on Raw. Who knows? Su- this company sucks <laughs> It so sucks. Bad. Probably Bobby Lashley versus somebody. I don't know. Who cares? Like, <laughs> right? Like... I don't know. Bobby Lashley and Seth Rollins. All right, cool. Like, who cares? Edge is going to go to that place. Bobby Lashley. Bobby Lashley's going to make Edge go to that place, and then he's going to go to that place. You know, like, right? Like, what else? They don't have anybody. They don't have a woman's program hot enough to. They hired every wrestler for a decade, and they have fucking nothing. They fired them all, and now they have nothing. Maybe heat up Becky Sasha. Why are we doing this? Can we just yeah, go through this show? Can we please and get talk about fucking Noah? I just want to talk about Noah. I just want to talk about guys killing each other in a ring. Please. So Becky defeats Liv Morgan. And she was, <laughs> With and an she attempted was, foot on the ropes, but didn't make her foot on the ropes. So they just pinned, it, they just pinned her clean in the middle anyway. Yeah. So, and but Liv said looks, that, that Becky tried to cheat, though. So, I mean. <laughs> and then Liv looks like an even bigger geek. Because we knew she was losing. I mean, yes. let's be honest. Um, and then she looks like a gigantic geek because Becky didn't even have to cheat the beater. So that push is going well. <laughs> going great. Um, star star in the making. You only star. live once. Yeah. New star. It's going to be Big E, Liv Morgan, <laughs> Bianca Belair, and Cora Jade taking us into the future. All the, all the stars <laughs> that they've made. 
over the last month or so. Um, Edge, he didn't have to go to that place for this one. Um, but he defeats the Miz. Rich, I didn't see this match. What did you think of Edge? Uh, yeah, I mean, it was exactly what you think a 20-minute Edge-Miz match was. It's um, it's fine. It was perfectly fine. It, it Way too emotionally wrought. You know what I mean? Just normal Edge pulling his hair stuff. Normal Miz stuff. Like it, it's exactly the match that you would think it was. I, I, you do not have to go out of your way to watch this. It did. Uh, it did feature. And I, a, and I promise you, I will not. Yes, <laughs> do not do this. Uh, it did feature uh, a, another great production. Uh, uh, WWE production thing. I don't. Did you see this with uh, with Beth Phoenix? No, I watched the first two matches of this show, and then I ran out of time, so I skipped to the last two matches. I saw nothing of the middle two okay, matches. Okay, so have you seen GIFs of this or anything going around? No, I have not. Okay, so essentially, Beth Phoenix is out here to, to, to even the odds, because Maurice and, and The Miz are... Um, you know, are, are very, uh, <laughs> you know, very, uh, uh, they're, they're cheating, they're doing all that sort of stuff. So what happens is, is Beth Phoenix comes out, they cut to her, but they weren't supposed to cut her. So she's just sitting there seething at the top of the ramp while the Miz and Maurice are double teaming or beating up Edge or whatever. She's seething at the top of the ramp. They cut to her. She's seething. She's not moving. And then her uh. music hits. And then she runs down, even though she's already been out there. And they've already uh. showed her on camera. It is so cringy. It's perfect. Uh, it's company so stinks. good. Yeah, and she's got big giant hair now for some reason. I don't know why. This um, is total Rhea Ripley stopping to do the stomp yes, before he sees yes, her. Yes, it is so that. Ugh. Yeah, she's sitting here going, and then her music plays, and then she walks down. You know what I mean? So that gets like. Unbelievable. And you know, that's something I wish AEW would stop doing. Just have people run in without. I know. The music, the music is, is bad. I'm with you. Because it would separate you from. You should do nothing that WWE does because it would help. It would further help separate. Now, if you want to hit the music a few seconds after the person starts to run in, that's more plausible. But that, like Jericho, run in a couple weeks ago on Dynamite, where the music hits and then he runs out, and it's like, I don't know. I would want my company to feel way more organic than this kind of shit. Um, RK Bro versus the Street Profits. That's the other match I did not see. Um. I don't know. I, I really love Rich, I love Rich trying to come up with WWE. Tapes. I mean, it's I don't know. Favorites. I watched this match. I have zero memory of it. I don't know. Uh, Randy Orton is serious. Riddle's a jokester. I, I honestly, I really honestly, I watched it. And I have no recollection of this match whatsoever. So uh, I guess we can move on. I would like Montez Ford to turn on Dawkins and just fucking yeah. Oh, he's get great. A, get a push. He's so good. Not gonna happen though. Um. Drew McIntyre defeats Madcap Moss. Now I now hold on, Rich. I know you're chomping at the this, bits. I like this match. I thought this match was pretty good. But I saw this one, so I can speak on this. Uh, maybe I should let you go then, because to me, this was like I don't know any hour two Raw match. Uh, I mean, it was kind of hour two Raw, but I, I I thought it was pretty decent. I thought Moss Madcap Moss looked pretty good. I thought Drew looked pretty solid in this. We'll get to Drew in a, in, a, in a bit, but uh, no, I didn't think it overstayed its welcome. It was ten minutes. Drew, you know, Moss had a few spots here and there, and then Drew just beat him and 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 put him in the middle of the ring. So, I mean, it wasn't great. It's not like a match. It's not going on my match of the year list. It's not going in the notebook, but I thought it was solid enough for ten minutes. Yeah, but now Drew's hurt. Yeah, so this is so strange. So he wrestles this entire match, and then afterwards he gets attacked by by you know backstage a couple of matches later he gets attacked by Mad Cat Moss and Happy Corbin, and then they they beat him up and they 
you know, pilmonize his back or whatever. And then we hear all like, oh, Drew McIntyre's got like this horrific injury and he's going to be gone for like a year. And it's like, well, what the, what the hell? Like he just wrestled yeah. this match, like perfectly fine. If he, if he's like near death and he needs to go away for a, a long, long time, like why was he okay to wrestle this match? It was so strange when, when I, I thought it was some angle they were building up to like, you know, a Royal Rumble rematch or whatever. And then the news comes out. Yeah. Drew McIntyre's out and he's going to be gone for a long time. And it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> like he seemed perfectly fine in this match. I mean, he, you went 10 minutes. Like, if my man is on the, like, you know, the brink of, of retirement, like, I don't know, if he needs to win this match, maybe he can, you know, do, win in two minutes. Or, I don't know, you can have Mad Cat Moss beat him, I think, if he's going away and he's hurt. You know, that might be a better way to go about it. But, yeah, yeah. very strange. It's like he beats him definitively, has a decent enough match, and then gets beat up. And they're like, oh, he's got to go away for a while. He's so hurt. He can't he can't move anymore. He's got to go away. And it's like, oh, okay. I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It's very Bizarre strange. situation. Bizarre situation. Usos successfully defend their set of tag team titles against uh, King Woods and Kofi Kingston. I can't believe they're going with this King thing. And Kofi Kingston. Um, look, these teams have wrestled a billion times, and they've had much better matches than this. This was a good match, but man, if it were not for the frenetic closing stretch, there was nothing to this. Uh, I, I, I thought that this was on the lower end of the matches that these two teams have had against each other, which is, you know, I still thought it was a good match, but I, I wanted a little more out of this. Yeah, I, I'm with you. Like, I, I came in with pretty big expectations, and I think it was solid. Like, I, I thought it was pretty good. It was a good match. Yeah, it was. I mean, these guys, they're 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 such good teams at this point, and they, they and they know each other. I mean, they've wrestled each other so many times that they know how to have a great match, and and they had all the things that like a great match would you know what I it would have, yeah. and they did all the kickouts and all that sort of stuff. It just felt like pretty lifeless to me. It just nothing really clicked with me all that much and and uh, i don't know they've had better matches for sure and 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 they'll probably have better matches again it was it was fine like but again not anything that i would say you 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 know given the wrestling that was available to you uh, this weekend like i don't think that anything on the show is really worth going out of your way to watch oh definitely not this was a fucking killer weekend i mean uh that's a pretty good transition i guess you want to do an ad read first uh let's yeah let's let's do a little ad read here let's talk about our friends joe at my Bookie, mybookie.ag. We've been telling you about it for a while. Promo code voice is going to get you instantly double your deposit. You put in 50 bucks, they'll put in 50 bucks. You put 500 bucks, they'll put 500 bucks. Up to $1,000. That promo code is voices at mybookie.ag to instantly double your first deposit. And there is plenty of stuff uh, to be betting on sports wise, wrestling wise. Royal Rumble coming up. They always take action on the Royal Rumble. A lot of action coming up on the Royal Rumble. Right now, you only have the mixed tag, uh, but you'll get a lot of stuff in terms of who's going to win the men's women uh, Royal Rumble, who's going to win the women's surprises, you know, who's going to. There's so much betting you can do on the Royal Rumble. So I I always try to get involved in that one uh, for sure because there's just there's prop bets and stuff. They really go all out. Uh, with the Royal Rumble at my at mybookie.ag, but uh, you have college basketball getting hot and heavy here. You got college football, the college football championship coming up uh, on the tenth. So that's head to head with Raw uh, next week. That's going to be a a doozy of a of a rating there. But uh, Georgia, Alabama, uh, so you can jump in on that. Uh, ton of other stuff. NBA, uh, you know, obviously going on. Playoff NFL coming up very very soon here. When when did the NFL playoffs start? Two weeks? Three weeks? Two weeks. This Two is weeks. Week eighteen. And okay. Playoffs after that. Yeah, so great stuff to bet on as well. Uh, Big-time games uh, coming up. All that available uh, at mybookie.ag. Even, Joe, the Golden Globes. If they happen, you can bet on the Golden Globes. You can bet on the best actor, the best actresses, the best actor in a musical slash comedy, best director, best picture. You can do... You can bet on that. If you're really... Have you ever succumbed to betting on, like, award shows, or, or do you stick strictly to sports? 
I have not. I know people that do though when they clean up. There you go. You can you can get good information on that and, and really clean up on the ward show. Oh, so we're talking, like info. Like this guy's got an inside source, well, or he's just not like inside source, but, but like, like a good like, indication of who's going to win. Well, okay, it's like wrestling betting. Like we would be more up on okay, we don't feel like this guy this guy has to win this match or whatever. Whereas right, like somebody knows that the best foreign film there's a there's a heavy strong favorite in the best foreign film. I don't know the right. difference between Drive My Car and A Hero, but somebody does out there. Yeah, like it's it's like uh, people who are who follow the movie business very closely. You can find value in in award betting and really clean up on it. Is what I'm saying. Just like like, um, okay, so when when Moxley wrestled Kojima on the AEW pay per view, someone like me or you knew that there's no chance in hell Moxley's ever going to lose that match. So I put my entire bankroll on that match when it happens. Yeah. Um, now the return wasn't great. Like it's kind of the same thing with award betting. Like me or you wouldn't know. Oh, this best supporting actress. This is a setup. We all know that blah blah is going to win. Like there's people who do know that. Is what I'm saying because they follow it very closely. Whereas me or you have no clue because we don't follow it closely. So that's kind of what I'm saying. There you, you go. Really so. clean up on it. Same way you can clean up on wrestling betting if you know you, you, you <laughs> until they restrict you. <laughs> until they, until restrict they randomly out. tell you you can bet twenty dollars. Yeah. <laughs> right, until they flag your account and make you only bet certain amounts. But uh, yeah. hey, anyway, mybookie.ag promo code voices double your first deposit. As we said, NFL playoffs coming up, NBA still going on, NCAA basketball, Golden Globes, Royal Rumble coming up uh, very very soon as well. So it's mybookie.ag promo code voices double your first deposit. Up to $1,000. Double your money. Double your winnings. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with MyBookie. MyBookie.ag. Promo code uh, VOICES. Uh, again, and Joe, real quickly before we actually get into the meat of the show, the more, more of uh, the, the NOAA, the New Japan, all that sort of stuff, uh, should we talk about the, the voiceofwrestling.com slash Patreon or flagship Patreon.com? Because there is a lot up there this week uh, that I think uh, we should uh, let the people know about. I just released the first episode of the Big Egg Scrambler. It's my uh, Tokyo Dome, yes. New Japan, January 4th randomizer. Took all the main events out of there, and I brought only uh, undercard matches. I hit randomize, and it... Oh, there's some matches, Joe. There are some matches. The first match out of the gates was Don Fry versus Scott Norton. Just, just to let oh, you wow. know. And it's yeah. going to get even juicier as we go on. There's some good stuff. There's some really, really good matches, and there's some really bad matches on this list, too. And they're all going to be uh, very, very fun to talk about. But yeah, out of the gates, Don Fry and Scott Norton. You can't ask for much more than that. No. I mean, that's the perfect one to come out of the gates with. Tremendous stuff. So you got that. Instant Reaction Lives, as we talked about, for Wrestle Kingdom 16, Night 1 and 2. Uh, that is there. So our extensive... How many total hours did we give people for the two I Wrestle think Kingdom? we gave two hours. I think just just uh, about two hours and 15 minutes, I think. We went a little long on both of those. So about two hours and, and, and 15 minutes uh, for, for uh, the total of Night 1 and Night 2, Instant Reaction Lives. Doing it immediately after the shows. Uh, I'm... Just getting up from work. Joe is just <laughs> going to bed. All that is up there, though. But that is our extensive reviews of Wrestle Kingdom 16. Uh, that, those can all be found at flagshippatreon.com. VoiceWrestling.com slash Patreon. Patreon.com uh, slash Voices of Wrestling. However you want to do that. Uh, we got some really fun Wrestle Kingdom news and notes as well. The truth about the Shibata stipulation change. There's a lot of, a lot of fake news out there, Joe, for lack of a better term. But we got the real news. Yeah, a lot of news and notes from uh, the fallout of the two of the first two Wrestle Kingdom shows. Uh, you'll find all you know the, the whole background on the Shibata uh, match changing into an actual match and what the real story is, uh, direct from sources in the locker room. Uh, why Shima was there and how that came about. Uh, 
you know, more on House of Torture and uh, a little more, too, on the uh, relationship between Noah and New Japan and what the original planned main event was. And actually, I'm doing a teaser for that, but I'm going to tell you anyway on this show in a couple minutes. But uh, yeah, but yeah, bunch of exclusive news there. We won't give the Shibata bit away. Uh, you got to you got to pay for that five dollar tier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got to do that. Uh, Thursday tier reviews. Uh, your review of uh, AEW Dynamite uh, this week. Intelligentsia too. We, we were blessed with an Intelligentsia on the third, uh, covering the uh, the Biggie thing. Like you mentioned a little bit earlier, you alluded to that. Uh, wrestling media still stinks. Uh, in case you were wondering, on January third, uh, the wrestling media did still stink. And you also uh, talked about the TNT champions, Tony Khan's tweets, and some other good stuff uh, as well. Uh, I did your twenty twenty two. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. Talk about as that far as the as, as far as the Tony Khan tweet and the big swole stuff, we're not ducking that on the flagship. We I already did it, so go. It's on the intelligentsia, and you get a full take on that. Uh, well reasoned as always, and uh, three other uh, topics on that as well, um, including just a fun topic ranking all of the TNT champions one through five of the five people who have held the title. You know, in the wake of Cody defeating Sammy Guevara, and they're gonna have their rematch on Saturday. On, uh, and I guess that's not even on our run sheet. Oh, yeah. I forgot to put that. But, yeah, Battle of the Belts coming up this weekend. Battle of the Belts. So I, I, I talked about that a bit. I buried wrestle, wrestling media a little more uh, because I love doing that. The people love to they hear didn't, it. They didn't get any better at, at last week? No, unfortunately, they still are terrible. <sighs> Damn. So, uh, so there was that. But, yeah, a new, a new intelligentsia as well. Uh, and then uh, – 2022 wrestling predictions as well. It's always a fun show to do. So we did it last year. Uh, so I was able to bring back yeah, everybody sent me their predictions last year. I was able to go over uh, predictions, see what people said. Some people nailed it. There was a few predictions that absolutely nailed it. Uh, Joe Gagne, a host of the uh, five star match game on the voice wrestling podcast network, absolutely nailed NXT moving to Tuesdays and uh, nailed NXT just getting absolutely destroyed in the ratings by uh, AEW. So he got that. Some other people were wildly off base, but there was some good stuff on there. So uh, we did that. We recapped the 2021 predictions uh, and then I read everyone's 2022 predictions as well and gave quick little thoughts, little pithy thoughts about predictions and, and what I think might come true and what I think was pretty good. So that's, that's a fun show to check out too. Uh, we'll have to keep an eye on that throughout the rest of the year. Uh, as well, and bring it back at the end of uh, or the beginning of 2023 when I see if anybody was right about their 2022 predictions. I already, I already have people saying, "Ah, damn it! I should have guessed that William Regal was going to get fired or whatever." So people get fired off about this. They like, uh, they like being right about these predictions. So we'll see uh, what happens there. But uh, yeah, plenty of other good stuff coming up this week as well. Big X Scrambler uh, is going to continue on, and uh, yeah, we'll, we'll have a, a bunch of great content as usual. So five dollars, yeah, content. it's ridiculous. It's dumb. Like constantly content behind the paywall. So. Yeah, we, we got a lot up there. But, uh, yeah, that is all going to be available. Uh, Patreon.com slash Voices Wrestling. Voices Wrestling.com slash Patreon. Or, as I said, flagship Patreon.com. $5 tier, $10 tier, even a $1 tier if you just want to try us out and see uh, what we have to offer. But $5 gets you a lot of the audio. $10 gets you everything that we do live, every single thing, live flagships, Instant Reaction Lives, replays of the Instant Reaction Lives. All that stuff is up there uh, at uh, flagshippatreon.com. So there you go. All right, let's uh, let's start here with what's going on this weekend with uh, New Japan and Noah. We have the third night of Wrestle Kingdom, even though it's not in the Tokyo Dome, and even though it's kind of not <laughs> Wrestle Kingdom, but it's the third night of Wrestle Kingdom. It's very clunky, but whatever. It's coming up uh, this weekend. It is New Japan versus Noah. It's got a double main event, Joe. Classic double main event here. We got double main event two. Okada and Tanahashi teaming up against Keiji Muto. And Kaito Kiyomiya. No, they, they, I don't know if you saw this, but they they reordered the event, and this is the main event now. The I, I went to the New Japan website, sir, and it says double main event two. 
still. Well, this is closing the show. <laughs> yes. It, well, it's the second. By second main event, I mean it, it will it will be after oh, the first so main event. So that's how they're labeling Yes. Okay. It is the second of the two main events, but it is the more important in that case of the so double main So let me give people events. the story behind this. So this is part of what I reported behind the paywall today, and I've been on top of this from the jump. The original pitch for this, once singles matches were out the window, and at one point, singles matches were on the table. But the Noah side got cold feet on that for obvious reasons, okay? Because all of the, you know, they had no, you don't have the high ground. So you're going to have to, you're basically going to be at New Japan's mercy in that scenario. So uh, we're getting tags instead, which was probably going to be the end result all along. But the original pitch for this main event was Okada, Tanahashi, and Kota Ibushi versus Keiji Muto, Keito Kiyomiya, and Go Shiozaki. Ibushi didn't get cleared in time. So they took Shiozaki out of the match, and now you're getting this two versus two tag, which was originally advertised as the semi-main event, but the only reason it was, and we speculated about this here, was because at the time, Shingo was still IWGP champion. Right, so you don't want your champion in the semi-main or whatever. Yeah. Them. Right, right. Yeah, right. It, it was like they knew all along that Shingo would be losing the title and all that. But at the time, they had to announce that match as the main event because they didn't want to disrespect Shingo. You know, because Shingo and Nakajima were both in that match, obviously. So it had to be billed as the main. So now to get out of that, they're doing this double main one, double main two, and the all-star tag is going on last. So that's that's the story behind that. Uh, that's a hell of a match, though. I'm, I'm pretty interested in seeing that one for sure. I mean, it's, it's you know, for whatever I think about Mudo, that's a pretty cool spot to be in. For Kiyomiya, that's a huge spot, even though he's definitely taking a Rainmaker and getting pinned. But that's okay. Uh, and Okada and Tanahashi teaming up anytime they do that. That's I mean, that's going to feel big. That's going to be a really, really cool uh, moment. So I, I, I can't wait for that. And and I'm, I'm actually excited about a lot of this show. I mean, it's not as good as I probably wanted it to be and expected it to be. But these joint shows are always like – and and people kind of twist themselves into knots thinking that joint shows are, are – you know, were ever really that good. And a lot of times they are this, you know what I mean? They're nobody, everyone's politicking. Nobody really wants to lose. Like Japanese wrestling still has kind of that old school mentality in it. So you got to always have a guy that's going to take the fall. You always, well, this guy can't face this guy. And there's, you know, there's so much involved in it that very rarely do you get like, occasionally you would get, you know, a pretty cool main event or whatever, but usually it's a lot of just like, you know, it's for the ambiance and stuff of seeing the two companies face each other in tag matches. Yeah, and I think they did a good job building it when the Noah guys marched out like fucking mafia. Oh yeah, no, I mean, I my anticipation level like quadrupled, you know, ten thousand times. You know, when when those guys came out in their track jackets and said, "Kano saying you guys need some help drawing because there's a bunch of empty seats out here." I was like, "Yes, let's go, let's do this." I'm I'm in. I'm I might I might be down in the green on this night, Joe. I don't know. New Japan needs a kick in the ass. I, I, you know. Well, we talked about this behind the paywall, but there's no doubt that the Noah roster comes off cooler and tougher than the New Japan roster. Like it's not even comparable. They just come off cooler and tougher. And Kano's promo was outstanding. Uh, He took good shots. And yeah, there's a lot you know, of like, you know, I'm thinking about this, you know, when, when, you know, you had Shingo and Hiromu, we talked about it too. You got Shingo with his red hair, you got Hiromu wearing all of his rainbows and it's like black and red track jackets. And like some yeah. guys are bald, some guys have black hair and some guys have blonde hair and they're ready for a fight, you know, other than King Tani, other, everybody else was ready for yeah. a fight. And they're all ugly. Yeah, Hakatoshi Saito in the background. Yeah, they all have, they all have scowls on their face. Right. They're like, all so they're, pissed off. Yeah. They're just ready to beat you up. Akatoshi Saito in his jumpsuit and the scowl on his face, he looked like a corner bookie 
who who you got to walk down to the corner bar to put 50 bucks on uh on Pat's Dolphins this weekend with. Like that's what he looked like, you know. And he's got leg breakers ready to come get you if you don't pay him by Monday. Like they, you know, they they just look like the tougher and cooler roster. And you know, Cano was the perfect guy to cut that promo. And uh and and yeah, I mean the the, the show will be a fun novelty. It's a shame it's happening during clap crowds, but I'm definitely way more into it now. Uh, than I was before Noah marched into the Tokyo Dome and just sucked all the coolness out of New Japan. I mean, they just came across so much cooler. Yes, I I, I agree, yeah. Uh, We got the double main event one, as we said. That's the LIJ match. You talked about that LIJ versus Congo. Um, I mean, I'm I'm definitely looking forward to Shingo, you know, facing off with Nakajima, Shingo versus Kano, uh, you know, Hiromu versus, you know, some of the, the, you know, yeah, it it looks like a hell of a match, the LIJ versus Congo. I mean, I I don't know, I, I... I gotta tell you in that match, what I'm 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 looking forward to. I want to watch Kano just slap that stupid grin off Hiromu's face. Like I, yeah, I, I know I don't want to say it, but I think like yeah, Hiromu's gonna get in there and do his funny stuff, and I just want Kano to spin kick him and just knock his ass down. Yeah, Hiromu's such a goofball. I'm kind of tired of that guy, if I'm being honest. And I I just want Kano to kick his head off the way he does Kiyomiya every other match. That's what I want to see out of that, you know. And the stuff with Shingo and Nakajima is obviously gonna be. Uh, tremendous! They're going to pair off in that match without question. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so, hell, yeah. Naito versus Kano and, and Nakajima. And there's a lot of stuff to love in that match. So, um, yeah, I'm into that one. Speaking of, I, I know you're not a, you, you, a I, I know you're not a big Techers guy, but thankfully yeah. this isn't a Techers match. I, this, this is a great match to book. I, whoever, whoever put this on pen and paper, I mean, good, good. It's Zack Saber Jr. And Yoshinobu Kanemoro, so you get the gr- the grimier of the of the you know Suzuki Gun guys in there against Mirafuji and our man Ogawa. I cannot wait to see Ogawa in there with that traitor Kanemoro, and he's yeah. gonna stretch. We've seen him with Zack Saber well, Junior too back in in those days. So those guys have had interactions before. I mean, this is this is a grimy match, and I mean, I'm so here for it. It, it's I, I I don't mean to burst your bubble, but I I okay. So in a conversation with a Noah wrestler, that wrestler confirmed that there was a lot of trepidation from the Noah side. They didn't want Kanemoro and Ishimori on the show, um, but there's they ended up on the show. But the deal was. They're not involved in matches with the people that hate them. Oh man! All right. And this came. But is from that a Noah is that Ogawa playing? Ah, I think that's Ogawa. This came from a Noah wrestler. Now mm. the re- now the wrestler did go on to say. Now here's the here's the other thing. That wrestler also said he doesn't know the genesis of the heat because he was a wrestle one guy at the time. So it's not this guy might not have like the full complete. Right, story. right, right, right. Well, but I just assume that Ogawa hates everybody, so... Well, here's the thing. From both the New Japan source and the Noah source, they both said that there was some question about these two guys being on the show. And then the Noah source came through with the additional information of, well, they made sure they were in matches where there wasn't going to be a problem. Okay. So, I, you know, I don't know. And there's no problem with Kenta at all. I mean, Kenta wrestled on the Noah show. Yeah, now. yeah, yeah. He's good. He's good. It might be a problem now. I mean, I guess we'll get to that. Yeah, oh, God, yeah. Hell yeah. Um, <laughs> there might be a problem now, so. Well, that kid stuck up for himself. Hell yeah, that was good. That Kendo was awesome. Morris stuck up for himself. But, uh, but yeah, that that's kind of the deal there. And it, it's funny because the New Japan guy, the New Japan source a few weeks ago, 
uh, and the Noah source from uh, last week or whatever it was, they basically had all the same information. Like I didn't get a lot of new stuff from the Noah guy other than the confirmation that the main event was supposed to be a six man and put together by Kendo Caution, by the way, that was his idea for that six man and, and the additional info on the former Noah guys who did end up on the show. Anyway, here's who didn't end up on the show. Will Ospreay. Is that weird deal? Um, yeah, it, it, it is definitely a little weird. Uh, he called out Marafuji too. And, yeah, and, I don't. Yeah, uh, I know, but he wasn't on the show initially, and I was trying to figure out how he, they were going to book him on there, and and we all kind of assumed that hey, well, he didn't look like he was on there, and then he's not on there, so I don't know. Maybe they just reward him for doing the quarantine so he could come for Wrestle Kingdom, and then they said, all right, you can bounce now. Then if you want to go back, and I don't know, I don't know how it worked out, but uh, people, well, there's, a there's, lot of people got nefarious with it. I don't think there's anything nefarious going on. I just think that they probably, I don't know, they just didn't. I, I I don't know. Yeah, I don't have a there, good. There's speculation read on it. that they don't want House that that they don't want United Empire on the show because none of those guys are on the show for like kayfabe reasons because they're supposed to be a heel. But House of Torture is on the show. Yeah, right, right. So right. why wouldn't you keep them off? So I don't know what the deal is with that, especially since they had Osprey call out Marafuji and Marafuji call out Osprey or respond to him, and then they end up not even. Maybe when all the singles matches got scrapped, and they knew they weren't doing. Marafuji Osprey anymore. They just switch it up. I don't know. So, um, we got Evil and Dick Togo versus Shiozaki and Masakita Mia. Um, you know, obviously Togo's there to get pinned. What a waste of Go Shiozaki. I'm, I'm upset. After watching that well, match on New Year's Day, I'm, I'm very upset about this booking. Yeah. I mean, it's the backup plan. He was supposed to be in the main. It's like, so, you know, it's not like this was the first idea, but yeah, it's not great. Um, and look, Noah's going to win some of these. And this is going to be one that they're winning for sure. They're not going to win the main event. I mean, Kiyomiya is going to get pinned in that main event. Oh, for too. sure. Yeah, he's eating a Rainmaker and a high five flow and, and getting pinned for sure. Uh, one week after Kano knocked him out again. Listen, people can defend this all they want. And people can say, this is the Japanese booking style. And I understand all that. This man was a GHC champion already at one point. And I know he's only 25, but at some point, you have to acknowledge that you run the risk of fans no longer believing in him. You have to at least acknowledge that possibility. You can't continually disregard all of this. And yeah, maybe this, you know, after he loses this match, which he's undoubtedly losing, okay, he runs off an amazing winning streak and gets back over and wins it. But you have to acknowledge that the possibility exists that this is all going to be... That people problem. could stop believing in this guy at some point, yes. Yeah, I mean, because if you're going to point to history and say that Japanese pushes are like this sometimes, okay. But you also have to point to history and acknowledge that fans will lose faith in people if they never win either. And it's really risky. Anyway. Uh, Taka, also, it's not 1990 anymore, which is another part of it too. So Yeah, I mean, patience is less because people have access to everything. So you do have to approach things different. That's, that's absolutely true as well. Taichi Minoru Suzuki and Takamishinoku versus Takashi Segura, Kazushi Sakuraba, and Kenta. Uh, Kenta on the Noah side of this one. And yeah, this is crossing one. lines here. This is another one that Noah will win because Taka's on the other side. But it, but will a New Japan wrestler score the pin? That's the big question. Yeah, interesting. So even when Noah wins, New Japan wins. Um, Despi and Duki versus Yohei and Nasawa Rangai. Oh, this is the, you need a shower after yeah. reading all those names. Good this God. This is the simplest match. This is the... 
This is the match that you Dookie, catch Dookie, Yohei, and Osaurung guy. Ugh. Yeah. Gross. <laughs> Over, under, people in this match who have had the drip. 2.5. Over. Going over? The three men I mentioned <laughs> earlier all. Desperado, I think he keeps himself pretty clean. Those other three, no chance. The grimy-ass match. Dookie and, and Rangai have, have had enough drift for it to go around forever, I would say. That's, especially no, Nosawa, who just looks like he smells. So, uh, yeah. It's... Yohei, much like Joe Lanza, has had very questionable hookups. In his <laughs> right? No doubt about for it. For sure. Oh, for sure. Like, Yohei has had hookups where five minutes later he's like, what did I, why am I doing oh, this? Oh, yeah, yeah. He definitely looks in the mirror and what? just goes, come on, Yohei. <laughs> like, what am I doing, dude? Wait, wait, wait. I got I, – I, I, you know what? I fucked up this bit. Yohei is the questionable hookup. He's the guy where you, you hook up with him and you're like, oh, what am I doing with my life? Like, he's the other end of that is, uh, is, is Yohei. Where is Hayata? Is he on this? I guess he's not. Uh, uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's in the next match. There's Stinger. Wouldn't want to leave them out. Gato and Taiji Shimoria versus Hayata and Saiki Yoshioka. Is is Gato losing here? Gato <laughs> yeah, losing tough, here? tough to. Uh, uh, maybe they make Taiji Shimori pay, uh, pay for uh, for abandoning them, and they have uh, Hayata pin Taiji Shimori. But I think uh, I are, think Booker are, Man's are, probably taking the, the the job on this one. So, are Noah's wins going to be Stinger and beating Dick Togo? Is that what they're going to get here? <laughs> Pro- yeah, uh, probably. Yeah, I think they're going to beat Dookie too. I think they're going to be. Oh, and Dookie. Yeah, and, and Dookie. And Dookie. And maybe Taka. And maybe Taka as well. So. Yeah. Uh, Show versus uh, Atsushi Kotoge. So we do get one singles match on the on the show here. Now, Fortunately, gonna... I think it's going to have some Garot Wires. So I'm not that excited Even on anymore. this, you think? Yeah, of course. Even Probably. they did on Wrestle Kingdom. <laughs> so of course. Now you're right. Yeah. Uh, Tomohiro Ishii, Hiroki Goto, Yoshihashi, Rusuke Taguchi, and Master Wato versus Daisuke Harada, Hajime Ohara. Daiki Anaba, Yoshiki Inamura, and Kenya Okada in the. Well, I don't know what we're going to do with all these yeah. guys. <laughs> and the match. rest of the guys, yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and and obviously New Japan's winning that one because there's you know Kenya Okada's in that match, so there's people. Yeah, there's a lot of dudes to pin there. Yeah, there, yeah. there's a lot of guys. Goto can can pin pretty much anybody on that other side, but yeah, for Okada's sure those... going, Okada's going down. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, kickoff matches. We have Kosei Fujita. Versus uh, Yasutaka Yano, so uh, that's interesting there. The opener, and then I'm excited. You always ask, are you going to watch the pre-show? I'm definitely watching this match for sure. This yeah, sounds yeah. awesome. Oh, this one I'm about to say. Yeah, yeah. Tenzan Kojima and Nagata versus the Funky Express, King Tani, Akatoshi Saito, and <laughs> Muhammad Yone. So that will be a lot of fun. That'll be fun. Yeah, Funky Express has an incredible theme music, and the third generation all coming together to beat beat some Noah ass. I'm I'm in. I like it. Yeah, yeah, uh, no doubt about it. Can I shut some dopes down? Regarding uh, this? Sure, of course. Um, so we some That's people. this show, right? I, I want to talk about the uh, Wrestle Kingdom attendance and some of the Ugh. unfair. I mean, you know where I'm going with this. I, I do, yes, I mean, yeah. How dumb. The, abs- the absurdity of, of, of COVID attendance analysis is, is and, r- and, ridiculous. And, yeah. and not even that. If you're going to analyze COVID attendance, which, by the way, what has been the policy of this show since COVID began? Don't talk about attendance because it's irrelevant and stupid and dumb. And impossible to analyze, yes. right? But if you're going to do it, you have to be fair. And nobody, and I mean nobody, is being fair. This idea that night two of this year's Wrestle Kingdom was a bomb because it drew 6,379 fans compared to the 12,047 fans of night one is completely absurd. 
and uh, not based in any fair analysis whatsoever. Uh, last year, the uh, double dome COVID night one, 12, six, eight, nine. Okay. Very comparable numbers, a little bit higher. And the second night, another, uh, a steep drop, 7801. Okay. A difference of 4,883 fans. This year, the difference between the two shows was 5,668 fans. That's a difference of 785 fans between the two years from night one and night two of each year, 785 fans, less than a thousand fans. That's the difference. The drop was just to see the year before pre COVID night one drew 40,000 night two drew 30,000. So what's the pattern here with the double domes? The second night always does worse. Right. And in this case, it's even worse because you have this other show coming up that, that like, if you're a new Japan fan and you're thinking, Oh shit. I mean, I, you know, I can only go to X amount of shows. Like you have this show as well competing against it, you know, with, it being the third night of Wrestle Kingdom. So there's even more direct. I mean, people have clearly said January 4th to me is the big show. It's Tokyo Dome. It's New Japan, January 4th. I'm going to that show. The second night, eh, I'll consider it. And a lot of people say, nah, I'm good. And 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 now we'll see again with this third show what, what people say. But, Joe, you're forgetting that I don't like Will Ospreay. So well, you're I mean, forgetting that. If I don't like Will Ospreay, I'm going to get all uh, hot and bothered by these attendance numbers. So Yeah, well, yeah, you're going to create a bullshit false argument. Because I keep hearing how night two did half the fans of night one. No, it didn't. Okay. It did 6379. Night one did uh, 12,049. So that's not even true. So there's that tweet making the rounds, which is false. Didn't do half. Okay. And compared to last year's drop, it was only a 700 fan difference between last year and this year. Between the two. And you know it's going to drop. This wasn't a surprise to anyone. Everyone knew night two was going to do less. It did less the two previous years. It did less last year. And oh, by the way, okay, we got to bring this up. Last year, they reported 12,689 fans night one, which was underreported, okay, because they were afraid they were going to catch shit in the media for packing too many people into the dome. So how many people were really there? If you factor that in, the drop between night one and night two last year was probably steeper than the one this year. But nobody wants to talk about that. Why? <laughs> Joe, I because hate Will Ospreay, though, so I have to just ignore all this stuff. Now, here's the thing. If you want to bash Will Ospreay, have at it. He's not that hard. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff that he gives you you can bash him for, so just do that. Rich, he probably made a stupid tweet 10 minutes ago. <laughs> right, yeah, I was going to say. He's not short of uh, things worthy of bashing towards, so yeah, there's plenty out there. If you want there. to bash Will Ospreay, go for it. You have a million different angles and opportunities to bash Will Ospreay. The night two attendance of this Wrestle Kingdom is not one of them. You look like a fucking jackass if you're bashing the attendance of this show and pinning it on Will Ospreay and saying it's his fault when it's the same drop that they did last year. In fact, probably less so if we ever get that real number from night one. But even if you factor in, uh, even if you don't factor that in, it's essentially the same drop. We're talking 700 tickets. Okay. This is a combination of ignorance and not knowing that the show dropped from night one to night two the same way last year. And also just, ah, well, it's a chance to take a shot at Will Ospreay. And it's not fair. You have plenty of opportunities to take shots at Will Ospreay for a million other things. Can we at least be fair and stick to the things that are fair? Okay, this isn't. That show didn't bomb. It, it, it dropped the same rate that it always drops from night one to night two. 
So what the fuck are we doing here? We're being unfair like we always are. Okay? It's like, why do you, you know, these people make it their personality to hate this one specific person? Let it go. Don't watch his matches. Block him on Twitter. Rip him for his dumb tweets. Rip him for all of the dumb shit that he does. But you have to be fair. This is not fair. So I just wanted to take some time because we didn't do it in the because we didn't know the attendance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, this has all come come up in the last you know day or two of of, of this. You know what a disaster yeah. this night too was. Will Osprey in the mud, and it's just like shut up. Yeah. No so then I so then I'm like, well, wait a minute. Let me look at last year. Oh, it dropped five thousand fans last year too, from night one in, to night two. Nearly five thousand fans. Forty, basically forty nine hundred fans. This year, 5,600 fans. Yeah. And remember, allegedly, they underreported the night one number last year. Look, Wrestle Kingdom was down overall. Okay, they, there was about 20,000 people who bought tickets last year and about 18,000 this year. We're getting all wound up about a 2,000, about that difference? I mean, please. Yeah, there was more interest in last year's show. I don't think anyone's denying there was more interest in Wrestle Kingdom last year. But they nearly matched the attendance of last year. Right, so. G- given given all that they've gone through in the last year and all the you know the the equity that they've lost from from fans you know uh, abroad and 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 there as well. But uh, yeah, no, still a two thousand seat difference. So yeah, so I mean you know, be fair about it. That's all. Again, this guy, this guy gives you a lot of opportunities to dunk on him. So maybe just wait five minutes for him to make a dumb tweet or something. You know what I mean? Like it, it's yeah. You're probably okay. Like, you don't have to search for things to dunk on this guy. Just calm down. He'll he'll probably give you something soon. So you won't be waiting long. You know, but it's funny. Last year, nobody went on and on about night two, drawing five thousand less. I wonder what the difference was. I wonder. It's hard to see. Yeah. And nobody would have said a word about this either if if Osprey wasn't in the main event. So I I just wanted to. Uh, clarify it's like i looked at the numbers i'm like what are we doing like like we're just making shit up now acting like this was some disaster when it was the same as last year maybe even not as bad if we get the real number from night one last year so whatever it's uh you know Anyway, that, so that is going on this weekend, the New Japan uh, Noah show. Um, it's a little tricky. It's not going to be on New Japan World Live. It will be on a week later on New Japan World. Uh, if you go to their website, if you go to New Japan website, they will uh, let you know how you can order this show. Because it is, Joe, it's a, it's a premium live event. It's on pay-per-view. So uh, it's a little janky how to get it. It kind of feels like the old days of uh, the Nico Nico days or whatever, which you and I could never get to work. Um or Ustream. Ustream, we, we were able to get to work. Ustream was good. Nico Nico, we were not very good on. New Japan was... They were mostly on Ustream, though, I think, in those days. But, it, yeah, it's a little complicated to get it going, but uh, the New Japan website has that all up there. So if you really want to uh, watch the show live, that is how you're going to do it. New Japan World will have it up a week later, though. So uh, that's that. Uh, do you want to transition right into Noah since we're talking Noah? Uh yeah sure we let's do, do that Noah now yeah mm-hmm. all right so I unfortunately was able to watch only able to watch the final two matches uh, of this Noah the New Year show I believe you have watched the entire show so uh, we, you can give me a little bit more of a breakdown of the undercard but I wanted to talk about the semi main and the main event uh, and I want to talk about the semi main event first because this was Kano versus Kaito Kiyomiya GHC national title you on one of the instant reactions says you know Rich you're gonna love this match have you ever seen these guys wrestle against, uh, each other it's just like that. And I think you undersold it. This fucking rocked. This is right up there with Okada and Shingo on night one. 
slightly behind Okada and Osprey on night two, which I went five stars on. I thought this Kanokiomiya match was fucking great. 25 so minutes, bell rings, and they spend all 25 minutes just kicking and chopping the living shit out of each other. It's loud. The crowd's going nuts. Nobody's taking breaks. No one ha- has garrote wires. There's no wrenches. It's just they get in the ring. They beat the fuck out of each other. Kano knocks Kiyomiya out. Referee calls it. It's over. I fucking loved this match. Yeah. I love all of their matches, these two. You know that. Uh, and These this are was another dudes wrestling. It's oh my god, it's so yeah. loud in that building. You, you when we say like you know, no one knows how to work to no clap crowds, is they just make the in ring so fucking loud and the crowd reacts to it too. I mean, this the crowd is as loud as you can. I mean, we, we talk about these clap crowds and all this sort of stuff. This crowd's clapping, but they're, I mean, they're, they're, they're it's, it's so loud in that building. It feels like a normal crowd because they're so loud with their clapping and the wrestlers are so loud and the action's just so loud that, yeah, and there's no downtime. There's no, you know, you don't hear a guardrail moving as, as, uh, you know, in, in complete silence as we get some heat segment or whatever. They just go in the ring and they beat each other's ass for 25 minutes. It ruled. Yeah. It's, uh, just the pacing of, these two guys just it, it, it's just incredible and, and and the punishment that they put each other through and you know Co- Kano wins it again via KO uh you know Kano with his rivalry with Nakajima has a lot of knockout and ref stoppages same thing with uh his rivalry with Kiyomiya Kano is uh he might be my favorite wrestler in this promotion just because he's such a little shit and but he but he backs it up you know, he backs it up. He no, I love that. That's one of my favorite characters in wrestling. And like ch- chicken shit or like shithole asshole dudes yeah, not that back it up. Shit. That's a careful distinction. Yeah, no, Definitely not a not chicken shit. shit. A, a, a piece of shit, but not a chicken yeah. shit. I like pieces of shit that back it up. That's probably one of my favorite characters in wrestling. So I am all in on Kano right now. I love him. Jonathan Hernandez brings up that the last three Kano Kato matches after Kato dropped the belt are also good. Even the quick N1 semi match. Remember, I like that match better. Remember yeah. the. Mm-hmm, the mm-hmm, yeah. mm-hmm. Than the, than the more hyped match that followed. And that's the same for this show. I preferred this match to Nakajima Shields. Yes, I did. Yes. Okay. That was, that was going to be, I wasn't sure if that was a hot ish take because you and I haven't talked about this match or this show yet. But yeah, I finished the, the Shiozaki uh, Nakajima just before we went live here and I liked it a lot. I thought it was really, really good. But I thought Kano and, 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 and Kiyomiya blew it out of the water just because, and, and that's, you know, that's just more high praise on Kano and, Naka, and, and uh, Kiyomiya, which I thought was just fucking tremendous. Like, very few matches are going to live up to that. I mean, th- that is. Obviously, it's in my top 10 for 2022 because it's pretty short here, but that's good. That's going to stay there for a long time. It's going to take a lot of work to knock that out of my top 10 as the year goes on. I, I like it that much. Listen, Nakajima Shiozaki was great. Oh, yeah. But I, yeah. Just, I just preferred Kano Kiyomiya because uh, the style that Kano works, especially when he's in there with Kiyomiya, is just that's right up my alley for what my tastes are right mm-hmm, now. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, and Nakajima Shiozaki was really good. And, and the one thing I mentioned behind the paywall, and I'll mention it again here. Is when she did you watch the uh, the 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 video? Yes, yeah. You told me you told me on one of the instant reactions to to make sure I watched the video, so I did, and it was tremendous. It really got you into it, right? Production, yeah. Noah's production has been very very good over the last uh, couple years, and it's all coming together now. I mean, over the last over the last half of 2021 into 2022, not only their their production on videos, the production way the video like the the shows look, the entrance way, the music, the English commentary. I mean, they're doing everything right. Everything right, right now. This is in Budokan, and this show felt like a more expensive production than the Wrestle Kingdom. Yeah, shows. absolutely. Mm-hmm. It, it felt like a more splashy, expensive production than the Wrestle Kingdom shows. 
And that video with, you know, the footage of Nakajima with, uh, with Kensuke Sasaki and Go Shiozaki with Kenta Kobashi, at, both as young boys, and uh, Shiozaki going through the injury and coming back for this. Oh, man. If you can't get into that, you don't love pro wrestling. You know, you just, you don't love pro. If you can't get into that after you watch that, it, and then they And get it's in nothing, there, again, like we always say, it's, it's so easy because it's just tell the real life story of these guys. That's it. Nobody had to run each other over with a car. You know, nobody had to steal each other's girlfriends. It's just, here's the story of these two men. Now they're going to face each other in the ring. And it just so happens that they have tremendous, awesome stories, and they're they're unified in 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 their in their mentors, and they're they're unified in coming up through this company or whatever. That's just extra gravy. But at the end of the day, you just tell their stories, and this one was just that good of a story that it was even better when it was all done to tell that story and 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 go from it from there. But yeah, you go back to literally Go Shiozaki, you know, learning about this company existing. Masawa saying, you know, hey, if you want to be a pro wrestler, you know, join Noah or whatever, and that's how he, you know, that's how he becomes this. He gets inspired to do it or whatever. It's just awesome. It's so fucking great. Yeah. And then, of course, Shiozaki loses because he's just coming back from the injury. And, and, and Nakajima um, uh, defeats him, of course. And Shiozaki lost another match this week. I guess um, we'll, we'll get to that when we're done talking about this show. Um, but, yeah, just two great, great matches back to back. I think at this point, I generally enjoy Noah match for match more than I enjoy New Japan right now. Up and down the card. Not that everything on Noah is a big hit, because it's not. Plenty of flaws there, too. But it comes across as a tougher and cooler promotion than New Japan does right now. And it's it's because of the work of the people they have at the top of their card. Yeah, I, the match and, structures are just great, too. I mean, yeah. they're, 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 they're all action, big spots, big bombs. I mean, the, the Nakajima and Go Shiozaki, we talk about bombs. I mean, fucking Shiozaki doing, you know, <laughs> uh, you know channeling their, their, you know, classic Noah there with a fucking... Belly to back, you know, or a uh, uh, belly to back suplex off the ramp onto the floor. Just fucking, oh yeah, yeah, insane stuff. And these dudes are just throwing bombs left and right, and it, it feels very much like you know, it was like the old Masala spot off the ramp. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's and that's exactly that. what they were trying to do there, and, and, yeah. and channel that. And what the whole production of the company, it, it feels a lot like you know, classic, either it's all Japan or, or, or even classic new Japan in the sense that like when you're watching a match, you're not quite sure when it's going to be over. Like mm-hmm. they're going to do all their stuff, but you don't know when it's, I mean like Kano and, and, and Kiyomiya was just over, you know what I mean? Kano just hit him and it was over and Nakajima had, and, and Shiozaki, like Nakajima just hit him in the ring and, and pinned him and it was over. And it was like, you didn't feel like they had to do 27,000 kickouts. They didn't have to, it wasn't clear. Okay. This match is going to be over in the next minute or two. It just happens. And that's how, that's when wrestling was at its, you know, the, the stuff that I really love about Japanese wrestling in the 90s and, and even in the early 2000s and stuff is is it just felt like you were watching a, a simulated fight in some ways, but not too much on the simulated fight end, obviously, because sometimes when you get a little too far in that direction, then it, it, it tends to, you know, Enochiaism. But, like, it feels like just badass dudes getting in there, trying to figure out who's the best guy between the two. And you have, realistically, you don't know when the match is going to get over because you're not sure when one guy is just going to, you know, his dominance is just going to be too much for the other guy to handle and he's going to pin him and he's going to beat him. And yeah, it can happen in 10 minutes, it can happen in 20, it can happen in 30, but you know that it, it it's not going to be 45 minutes and 17 kickouts every single time. Well, the big thing is you're not waiting around thinking, oh, well, this guy didn't do this sequence yet. So yeah, I know the right, 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 right. Like, it, that sort of part of it is eliminated, you know, um, it, it, from that aspect. But, uh, yeah, two great matches. And the top of these Noah cards, when Muto is out of the picture, are just so fun and so good. The problem is when Muto 
is is at the top of the cards. And he's not there right now. He's doing the tag team thing with uh, Marafuji. But eventually he will. He's already talking about wanting the national title and, and all this. So, um, but, you know, so enjoy it while it lasts until Muto gets back into the main event scene. But these no main events are just, they're hard hitting. They're different. They're no nonsense. And, um, and the other thing, the point I wanted to make was about Go Shiozaki. I feel like watching him return from this injury and when he made his entrance and after he had that great long title run that carried Noah through the pandemic, you know, there's a couple wrestlers that carried their companies through the pandemic. Go Shiozaki's one. John Moxley is another one. And Drew McIntyre is one as well, where, you know, these guys had these unfortunate timing with these title runs, which were very important title runs for all three guys. When you think about it, Drew finally getting elevated. He won the title at WrestleMania in front of zero fans, you know, and then he had to have a title reign in front of video screens and he worked his ass off. Go Shiozaki literally destroyed his body in front of no fans and limited fans to the point he had to take time off and get surgeries. In the landmark tentpole flagship title reign of his career, a snake bitten career, where as a young boy, people thought he was going to be the next great star and he never could quite get over the hump. No matter how many top titles he won in the various promotions he worked for, he never felt like a top guy. But he does now. He came out from the curtain and I'm like, that's a top guy. He got there and he got there through that title reign during COVID. During the pandemic, where he killed himself. And he comes out now and it's like, he, he is, it's that, it's it's an intangible thing. Yeah. Like now he feels like a true top guy. Right, he feels like he belongs for the first yes. time, which is so weird given that he's been pushed, you know, as, as a guy that should belong for the last, you know, 15, 20 years, basically. <laughs> Noah, but yeah, he feels like a guy that belongs now. It felt like he came back and, and, and felt embraced and felt like a star. You know, for the first time, something and, and... would always get in the way with him. It would get overshadowed by Masawa's death, or it would get overshadowed by, you know, Kobashi getting cancer, or or going to all Japan at their lowest point in their history. And it's just it never worked out for him. But now he truly feels like a top guy who belongs on the same level as the other top guys of his generation. You know, and uh, and and the third guy was Moxley deserves a lot of credit too for such an important title reign in AEW's history to carry them through those pandemic months where the company could have died. They were so new and, 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 and COVID came at the worst possible time and, they, and he was their champion and he carried them through it. So those three really stand out to me as the pandemic era champions and Shiozaki is the one we're focusing on here is really finally feels like he got over the hump and he, he truly feels like the, the guy that we all thought he was going to become 15 years ago when Go Shiozaki and Shingo Takagi and Kohei Suwama and Hiroki Goto all broke in within like the same 12 month, 18 month period for the four respective big companies in Japan. And it was a race to see who would get to the top first. These four can't miss stars, right? And it took Shiozaki forever, but I think he's there. Shingo may have gotten there first before the others. Suwama, I don't know. The opinions are going to vary. Right. He finally got there, but when the company was in the shitter. Right, Hiroki right, Go- right. Hiroki Goto, great worker, but he never got never there. Never got there. Yeah, never, ever got never there. Never got there. But, you know, and it's kind of been this constant race between the four of them. And I still think Shingo's ahead. 
He got to the top in two promotions when they were both doing well. You got to put him ahead of the others. He got to the top in Dragon Gate. He got to the top in New Japan. But I think Go is now right on his heels. Finally, he got there. Yeah. I got to put him ahead of Suwama. Suwama, it's just that company just never, you know. And 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 I'd have to put maybe Goto maybe behind Suwama because nah, was- Goto's dead last. Yeah, he unfortunately. Sorry, I, yeah. I love Goto in the ring, but he's he's dead last among those. Because at least Suwama did get to the top. Right, right, player. right, right. You know, even if it even if he was benefited by it completely falling apart around him, um, and the fact that he shouldn't still be on top, but they keep going back to yeah, the it's well. neither here nor there, unfortunately. But yeah. But the idea here is Shiozaki. I think finally, you know, you could have made an argument that he was last because you know with all these times, what did they mean? But no, not anymore. I, you know, he really feels like a, he used to be just a guy. Now he's a guy. He's a guy now. And that really, uh, to me, was hammered home on this show. He really felt like a big star. And I'm happy for him. And, um, you know, watching him on all those ROH shows in 2006, 2007, when he was on his excursion, you know, he, he was always fun to watch. And, and he really finally feels like a genuine star. So unfortunately, I did not see the rest of the show. So um, I, I did see gifts of the uh, the Kenta situation. So let's talk about that because that was the uh, third match uh, from the top. There it was Kenta in a tag match, uh, and he uh, he ran afoul of, uh, of a few men in that match, including uh, Inamura. Uh, but that was a very very fun little spot. So yeah, describe what kind of happened there and, and the match itself. So it was Kenta, Sakuraba, and Segura. Kenta with the Segura gun guys, and they faced Daiki Inaba, Masakitamiya. In Yoshiki Inamura and Kenta was uh he tried to bully Inamura and he was slapping him hard across the face and doing you know just rough double stomps and and uh even Kitamiya tried to step between them at one point and Kenta was just throwing his weight because Kenta's a little asshole. We all know that. He's always been a little asshole. And um a lot like Kano, really. Uh but but like legit. And uh but Inamura then stood up for himself, you know? I mean, you could tell he was uneasy at first, but he got right back in his face and, and you know, was getting stiff back. And then they they did a spot later where he ran across the ring and just fucking bulldozed him, and I still don't know whether Kenta really knew that was coming or not. Nah, I don't think so. Yeah, there's no way, because the way that he took the bump was not a natural way to a take it. A natural bump, exactly. No, it was a yeah. not a very unnatural. I mean, in fact, it was pretty dangerous, because Kenta had his back turned or whatever, and Inamura just basically came up and fucking railroaded this guy and snapped his neck on the rope or whatever, and Kenta kind of turned around. And did a little yeah. bit of a, uh, okay, <laughs> like, all righty. I think, Kent, I think Kenta was more like, all right, kid. I yeah, yeah. It. He was like, yeah, you, yeah, all right, yeah. No, it was. It was kind of like a proud moment there from one asshole to, yeah. to a, a, another potential future asshole. Just like, all right, yeah, you know what? You stood up for yourself. Good. Good on you, kid. Yeah. So uh, that that was the deal there. And, of course, the, the Kenta side won. Just look at the names on the other side. But a really, really good match. I mean, very stiff physical it was a noah match it was a noah third from the top match uh even muto and marafuji versus masaki mochizuki and tanaka you know with the tag title match uh despite muto's presence was a very very good match you know i thought it was a little better than the six man i know a lot of people preferred the six man but uh you know mochizuki you know muto scored the pin of course uh and they, they successfully defended the titles but and they all held each other's hands you know because the whole m's alive they're all in the same unit so they're all m's alliance but uh, that was a good match. And Hayata versus Ogawa. You know, Ogawa was targeting the body part and all that. It was an okay junior match. It wasn't anything special. I don't think anything else. I think the top four is kind of like, you know, matches that people should watch. The rest, not so much. I mean, Fujita and Kendo Kashin. 
against uh, Ikuto Hidaka, Masakatsu Funaki. I mean, you know, it, Fujita and Kashin can kick rocks. That did nothing. Is the usual you see from them. And <laughs> Fujita being reckless with a power bomb again. Oh, good, and great, I yeah, just, awesome. Stuff. Yeah, he just he sucks. He needs to go away. Um, and then the rest, you know, there were some other matches on the show, the undercard stuff. But um, you know, yeah, definitely. Look, as a total presentation, uh, you know. A show that I think. Let me look at Cage on Cage Match. The show itself has a nine, so that tells you all you need to know. I mean, it was, a, it was an excellent show, and the top two are you know right around nine, eight point nine eight for the national match and nine point one eight for the main event. So, and then I did catch the uh, the show on the fourth, the the new Sunrise show, and the big takeaways from that breezy. Probably about two hours and 15 minutes total if you cut the junk. Uh, you know, the when I say the junk, I mean the pre-match stuff before the show starts and everything in between the entrances. Like, like probably 2.15, you know, matches bell to bell. So very breezy watch. Uh, Shiozaki lost again. He lost to Kato Kiyomiya in the semi-main because he's coming back from the injury. So he's going to be losing. You know, that's the story they like to tell. When guys are coming back from injury, although New Japan has kind of dropped that, I mean sometimes they do it, but uh, they're not as stringent about it as as it used to be, and and with some of the other, how the other promotions handle that. Uh, so Kiyomiya Shiozaki, it was a good match. I can't call it great, but it was good. And then the junior tag title match was the main event: Hayata and Ogawa against Katero Suzuki and Yohei. And, and it was all right. I mean, um, the, but the match, if you want to watch something off of that. I would wreck Kato Kiyomiya versus Go Shiozaki. And all of the undercard stuff was breezy and easy to watch. I didn't watch the uh, the show from the 5th yet, which I believe was a uh, Mystery Vortex-style show. So I don't even want to look at the card because I want to watch it and let it play out. But um, but yeah, so that's what's going on in Noah. Really, really good stuff until Muto inevitably comes back up to the top of the card. And uh, we have reviews of all that stuff uh, at VoicesWrestling.com uh, as well. So some some great stuff. Paul and, and, and Gerard are doing uh, reviewing pretty much every Noah show that's hit tape, I think, so far this year. And, and uh, hopefully going to keep that up throughout the year uh, as well. Because Noah's, uh, Noah's feeling good right now. So, yeah, let's, let's ride even, that wave of momentum. Even the commentary fits the promotion. The English commentary. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's like two MMA dudes. You know, they're fighter Pickering guys. And, uh... Yeah. Yeah, it's Stuart Fulton and, and Mark Pickering, and yeah, they're like super serious dudes that just yeah. call them like their fights, and call, yeah. you know, yeah, it's really cool stuff. They they come back, they both come from fighting backgrounds and, and and doing fighting commentary and stuff. Yeah, it really it really works. It gives it an aura that that's that's just so much different than anything else. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, Joe, zero one baby, zero one. Happy New Year! It is not a new year without some motherfucking zero one. Uh, we started off with Zero One's Happy New Year. This was on Wrestle Universe as well, so you could watch yeah, it, it in, in. You know, if you already subscribed to Wrestle Universe for Noah, you were able to watch the Zero One show. Uh, we talked about it the same day as Noah the New Year, so you had some guys doing double duty here uh, in the main event. Takashi Sagira defending the Zero One title against Masato Tanaka. I thought this was awesome. What'd you think of this match? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't put it on the same level as the two Noah matches we talked about. I wouldn't put it uh, on the same level as Okada's two matches. Oh no, no, yeah, no way. I think. Let me see what my rating. I went. I went four point two five, and those other ones, I'm at four point seven five and five. So, I for people who saw everything this week, I would put it below those four matches, but slightly above Braun Breaker versus Tommaso Ciampa. Okay, yeah. So, 
Um, that's where I would slot it in the pantheon of of just crazy. And I would put it below Hangman versus Brian Danielson from Dynamite, which I don't even know. Did you watch that? Yet? I have not seen that yet. No, I, I was catching up with everything else. But yeah, right. but I, I will watch it by the time uh, in the next few days, probably to, probably tonight, uh, if not tomorrow. Yeah, so, uh, but definitely one of the matches, I think all those matches I just named are matches that everybody should should go watch. And this match is definitely in that in that group. I'd probably go around four flat. Um, you know, look at it on paper. You know, I thought Tanaka would win, first of all. So I, I did too. I was kind of surprised. Yeah, I was kind of surprised when that uh, the ballad hit and Takashi Kira was the winner. But you look at it on paper and that's the kind of match it was, right? Just hard hitting, and it's. I will say this. It always pains me to say this on this show. We've been doing this show ten years. I've had to say this a few times. I think Tanaka's slowing down. I think at the time. I think he's fine. I think he's he is slowing down a little bit. Hey, look, this is a great match. I think he's still he's still fine. Like he he's getting where we all thought he would be like fifteen years ago. Yeah, but you're right. You're right. You're right. All right, Joe, can you hear me? Of course. You can hear me. I don't know if the people can hear us. Well, it'll but... take us about 15 seconds. Yeah, so we'll figure out. Sorry, my uh, I went to the Zero One website and my computer crashed. So I don't know if that's a coincidence. Um, I don't know. Grimy. Pretty grimy. So, yeah, there you go. So I tried. We're, we're getting silence when we're trying to talk uh, Zero One here. But, uh, yes, so you were talking about Masato Tanaka slowing down, right? Yeah, that's what we were talking about. I just think he's lost maybe a half a step, a quarter step. I'm starting to – just the first signs of maybe minor decline I'm seeing. I'm not saying the guy stinks. Please don't go to Reddit and say Joe Lanza says Masato Tanaka I mean, does anybody now. care enough to go to Reddit about your Masato Tanaka takes? I mean, maybe. Rich, Rich, I am one of the most hated men. They hate you there. The best, so. the best part of any time that you're mentioned in Reddit is like – 27 comments of like, I don't know why we even let, we should just never mention this guy's name ever again. (laughs) Like we're never going to mention this website. We're never going to mention this podcast. And then the next day, here's another person doing it. And and a hundred comments and the next same people like, we just, just banned the show. That's stupid. It's just, I love it. It's, they can't stop. They can't stop. Anyway, did you watch just uh, Fuminari Abe versus Shogun? No, so yeah, the problem was I, I, so I watched the main event and then I got cocky about uh, my zero one. Uh, I figured I could then just go back and watch the entire show. So I actually went to the beginning of the show and watched that. But then I unfortunately ran out of time as as uh, so many thousands of other things were going on this week. Uh, so unfortunately, I did not see this match. But I've heard, I've heard some pretty good things. What can you tell me about it? I think this is a classic example of one guy who's really good being forced to work with someone who's way below their level and it blatantly showing in the match. I don't think Kitamura belongs in the same ring as, as Abe. So... um I've seen Abe have much better matches and also, I guess, work looser with other people. I feel like he didn't think this guy was good enough for him. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, no, for sure. Yeah, and he kept kept some stuff simple, didn't go too crazy. You know, yeah, kind of kept – yeah, I I haven't seen this match, but I know exactly what you're talking about. When when, when when a really, really good wrestler is in there with someone that they don't fully believe in, they can't – you know, they have to kind of keep things – in check a, a, a bit, you know. Can't yeah, go. so that was the kind of feel that I had um, watching this. And um, I know we're running a little short on time. I don't have extended thoughts on the rest of the show, to be honest. I don't know if you had anything to say about I honestly didn't. Yeah, I watched the opener. I wow. watched the uh, the second match. Was pretty ter- uh, I thought it was pretty terrible. I watched the, the Ken Oka uh, yeah. Imanari versus the Voodoo Murders, which... Um, 
I yeah, kind of wish Voodoo I didn't. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, I, Voodoo, is, I can't believe they're still doing the Voodoo Murders thing. This I is when you, when you get too cocky and you think you got time. You start, you go back to the beginning of the show, and I watched this yeah. garbage and then didn't watch you know, any of the rest the of the show. Match. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, honestly, you didn't miss much with the junior match. I, I, I didn't. Um, let me see. Let, let, maybe I'm just being a grump. Let me see what the, the inmates have to say. Um, because I, I can never get zero one on the first search because I don't know how they format it. Okay, here we go. Yeah, all caps zero dash one. I believe is is the way. But oh, the inmates loved it. Seven point nine two. I was gonna say this show got a lot. Yeah, a lot of. Um, oh my god, I'm hearing in the room. Taru is back. Is that true? Was Taru on the show? 8.54 for the uh the main event for more per- See, the main event is definitely a match that people should uh, you know what? Uh, you know, maybe Joe Lanza is just being grumpy about the junior match. I don't know. I saw it got a lot of love. That's why I was asking you. But uh anyway, uh, Joe, uh Gerard in our chat room says that Taru was on the show. Is that true? Well, if you want to be excited about that, you can be. Pissed. Hell yes. <laughs> well, you know, it's he sucks, but it's it's zero one, man. You know, it's a little grimy. You got to, you know, a Taru's not. It's a, what do you mean? It's a lot grimy. What do you mean it's a little grimy. <laughs> it's a lot grimy. I like it. I, I appreciate how grimy it is. I, I... It's, it, it's nothing but grime. Um, it's everyone's yeah. like kind of fat. You know what I mean? No one's in shape. Everyone's kind of like, other than Hartley and, and, and like Chris Weiss and, and Segura's like has the fourth best body on the entire show. And he's 55 it, it, years old. It's kind of always been the case with zero one, but it's more pronounced now. They would be fucked without outsiders. Like just completely fucked. Oh yeah. Who's, who's their, their roster? roster? I mean, they don't even have the big boy anymore. Cause he's, he's in Gleet now. Um, Kimura oh, yeah, no, or Ko- whatever, yeah. Kohei Sato left or was fired last year or whatever. However, that went down. He had the split. And he was always a mainstay. So, uh, you know, they had Sugi for a couple years, but he's moved on to All Japan. And I think he's moved. I don't even know if he's with All Japan anymore. Uh, Sugi. Didn't Sugi? Let me pull this up. I thought, I think New Japan. I mean, not New Japan. Um, I think All Japan... No, I guess he is still with All Japan. Um, but yeah, so the, the the state of the zero one roster. I mean, what is it? It's Hartley Jackson, Yuji Hino, and like you know. Oh shit! Sugi won the junior title. I didn't watch the All Japan New Year's shows yet, and I just spoiled myself on the Sugi Super Crazy match. Oh god damn it! Um, you spoiled all of us. You... Oh yeah, he was in the Junior Battle of Glory with with Raicho again. Uh, yeah, he he didn't. Leave. I don't know why I thought he left, but that's not true. But um. But at any rate, he's not really working zero one anymore since he's been with All Japan. So I don't know. You, you, like legitimately, if you it, think of like zero one, it's like Hartley Jackson, Toa, <laughs> uh, Yuji Hino, Shinjiro Tani. If we're still counting him, I mean, and then I don't know Sugawara and like who else? I mean, there's like five other dudes, maybe, maybe, maybe five other dudes. Yeah, it's a rough roster. It's pretty rough. But it, but it I appreciate been, their attempt, man. You know what? They're still out there. They're still working. The the ring announcer's still screaming. You know, it it, it you know, there's a there's a look and a feel. I'll never forget Zero One getting us through the uh the pandemic. Zero one in Big Japan will always have a place in my heart for not even missing a beat during the pandemic and just going, we literally Japan. can't stop running, so we're gonna keep running. We just don't tell anybody we're running, but we have to run these shows. So what's the other promotion we were watching during the pandemic? Uh, two AW, two AW, two AW. Yeah. 
They're uh, all running they, from the 2AW arena because that was the only arena they could run in. So People don't remember that. We were doing like opening segments. We would lead all- the show off with Kaiji Tomato, you know, discussion. Well, we would lead the show off with are we all going to be dead in a month? And then we would do 2AW and Big Japan talk for the rest of the two hours because it was all that was happening. <laughs> You know, it's just pretty, pretty wild in hindsight, but, um, you got to keep the train rolling. Uh, but yeah, look, let's face it. You're not going to watch another zero one show all year. I want to though. I wish I could, but I can't. Rich, you say this every year. (laughs) I want to, how do you, how would I, how would I in in the year 2022 watch more? If they put more, if, if zero one stays, if zero one stays on Russell universe and, and, and I obviously will not, or I guess as long as, as long as Segura is the champion, I guess it'll, it'll, it'll probably They'll probably have. Their I think shows that's on the connection. Yeah. yeah. So hopefully he keeps the title because if it's on Wrestle Universe, I'll watch it. It's just it's always so hard. It, they never make tape. Where they do make tape is weird or on these websites that crash my computer, and I just don't want to. Yeah, I don't want to go through that much effort for zero one. But if they're on Wrestle Universe, I'll pop it on and watch a main event or two. You know. You got to get the hookup from our pal Robert Letters and Numbers. Yeah, he hates know? us, but uh, yeah, no, see, he's not even doing it anymore. So nah, he's not doing it anymore. Yeah, he's not even. But doing I would. It. I checked that sheet. There, I have it bookmarked right here. I'm looking at it right now. I will get. Yeah. The, I will get the bookmark is up. And even last year, I don't think how many how many zero one. Yeah, January one one zero one. Yeah. Uh, February two seven zero one. I think we watched and talked about that. Then you got. Then you got June. Then you got August, and then it's done. Well, we so. did because we did because Shima was there, and he was going to challenge for. To, yes, yes. Yeah. So see, I, see, you. I say this every year, but I try to do it. They just stop running shows, or stop airing their shows, or stop taping their shows. I don't know what happens. Like it's it's. Well, there there was that one year where they where uh, like eleven shows made tape, and I watched every match on all of them. <laughs> and I can't say I enjoyed. <laughs> yeah, no, you shouldn't do that. I mean, there's a certain twenty percent of it. Yeah, but um. But yeah, that that Shima Masato Tanaka match that was supposed to be, uh, where was that supposed to be? Sumo Hall, I want to say. Oh, that's but right. Then, yeah, yeah, right, right, right. But then the pandemic happened, and it was like, holy shit, what is zero one gonna draw in Sumo Hall? I wanted to that to happen just for the absurdity of it. You know, they can't even fill Corkin. They're gonna run Sumo Hall, but um. A little, yeah, little so ambitious, but yeah, did not did not end up happening. But uh, no, I mean, if as long as Segura is the champion and they're on Wrestle Universe, I'll, I'll, I'll watch the main events and stuff here and there. So, yeah, yeah, I, I, we'll see about that. I'm gonna bring <laughs> up. Please do, I'm please gonna, keep yeah. me keep me honest on this. Keep me honest, please. Yeah, I'm gonna randomly bring it up because they're gonna have shows and big shows by their stand, and I and you're not gonna mention them all week. And I'm gonna I'm gonna call you out live on this show. Please do. I want Rich, you to. Did you watch the latest Zero One show? Did you? Uh, did you... <laughs> you so you're going to go out of your way to keep up on what's going on in Zero One just to spite me? Correct. Okay. That's totally something I would do. That so is you know totally that something that... you would do. I although I am a little less because uh, I love Hayata Tamura. I'm a little I'm a little less excited now that he's not there anymore. Big beefcake guy. Yeah. They, what they sent him back to fuck? No, he's he's Gleet. He's Gleet baby. He bleeds Gleet. Black or whatever. I don't know what their official color would be. Oh, no wonder I don't know because that's fake. Yeah, okay. no, he's a Gleet guy, man. Yeah. What? A what guy? A Gleet. What Great. is that? G L E A T. I believe they have their V2 show. Uh... Rich, we're not talking about your uh, uh, EWRC. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. About... <laughs> we're talking real promotions here. This is the flagship. We're, we're an official thing here. We can't be, you know, making up companies. You're right. Yeah, don't talk about things that don't exist. Gleet doesn't exist. Yeah. Um, at least, listen. No, the, the less said about Gleet, let's just <laughs> fucking hate Gleet. 
I hate everything about Glee. Why do you hate Glee so much? I just hate Glee. I don't like. I don't. I don't approve of its existence. I think it's fake, and um, I hope it goes out of business. That's what I think of Glee. I believe uh, so. Glee. Uh, they had their awards today, Joe. <laughs> did you Did you follow those or no? Oh yeah, I was right on top of that. <laughs> All the was, Glee awards. I was wondering why it wasn't on the run sheet. The Glee yeah, the Glee. Yeah, the Glee. The match of the year. The wrestler of the year whatever the hell gleet or i don't even know what the gleet awards were but uh or who won them but uh uh gleet v2 is up though uh stream seven days ago free to watch on uh, on youtube if you do want to watch the i will promotion. sooner watch colega <laughs> are they still daily they Colega? can't still be they can't still be daily don't you disrespect the body guy don't you respect let me see oh here one sec i just opened the intro well here i'll play the intro they're running, baby. They uploaded their uh, a video of their intro. So I'm playing it on YouTube. Let's hey. let me make sure. They oh, God. They ran today. They ran today. Yeah. Streamed 17 hours ago. You know Liga who main evented today? Don't look it up. One of our boys. Oh, man. Who? Billy Ken Kid. Oh, fuck. Hell yeah. All right. Never mind. Listen. I wish I could quit my job and be a, just an, a, a Japanese scummer. Yeah, it'd be awesome. Because that's the stuff that you watch like during the day while you're working. You know what I mean? It's just in the background. You know who else works for Kalega? Andy Wu. Shit. It's really not that bad. I think I might have to start watching Kalega. Uh, listen, I'm not going to lie to you. And they have a title now, too, by the way. Listen, and you know who the champion is? Andy is it Billy Ken Kid? No, it's Andy Wu. Listen, yeah. Oh, I see Andy Wu in these thumbnails. I'm looking here. That's I'm not going to lie to you and say that I watch every Colega show. But if I'm bored and have nothing to do and I'm caught up, you're damn right I'm throwing Colega <laughs> I mean, I'm there's always it. something new from Colega, so. Every day, baby. It's uh, Unlike Gleet, it's real. Like, it exists. Well, and so so Gleet has been around for a year and they've had two official shows. Colega's uh, yeah. had six shows this week already. So. Yes, that's what I'm saying. This is this is how a promotion's real. Colega is. is all about action. <laughs> it's true. Oh, Fun roster. Dear too. God, I'm looking at this show. So it's Azul Trey. <laughs> what is this show? Listen, they all can't be winners. The point here is <laughs> my goodness. They have a champion now. Who won the uh, King of Colega tournament? I'm seeing here. There's a tournament. Andy oh, Dylan Rowe, James. Big... Dylan James is in the tournament. Good for him. Not really. Andy <laughs> Rowe, that... <laughs> Don't you even listen to me? Andy Wu won it. That's how he became champion. Oh, I didn't know it was for a title. I thought it was just for, you know, a crown or something like I'm that. I'm trying to tell you. They crowned a champion <laughs> Who's this on week, first? Woo. Woo. I know. What's, who's, on, who's the King of League of Champions? Yeah. Andy Woo. I'm telling you. No, not. No. I'm asking you, Joe. Yeah. I thought you said I'm okay, Spider. No, it's Andy. Andy Wu is the champion. He won the tournament. This is what I'm trying to tell you. Your favorite, my favorite, and Taz's favorite. Andy Wu. They got all the stars. Uh, we're being told by uh, Gerard, who I would trust here in the no-dose chat room, that the bodyguard is no longer uh, running Kaliga because he didn't respect the company. Didn't respect COVID protocols. Well, the hell with the bot. We don't need him. Yeah, we don't need. It. It's not run by uh, Sai. Uh, Ryuji Sai is running it, so we're good. Ah, well, you know, we're in great hands now. That's fine. <laughs> fuck Land's End, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> he has defected. <laughs> What's left of Land's End? Yeah. Oh my god. He he is defected to Colega. It's a step up. Let's be honest. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, Rich, have you ever seen a Lands End show? <laughs> I watched answer... a couple years ago. We watched one Lands End show. I remember. I've never seen a second of Lands End footage. 
No, that's we, not true. We watched it, or maybe we just saw a sigh in, in his other we places. We never watch Land's End. Caliga's real. It's every day, and it's on YouTube. <laughs> it is there, yeah. It's not re- – you can't be realer than that, you know? Land's End was another fake promotion. So it's a step up for uh, for Sai. Shit, this is a step up from all Japan. Let's be honest. Maybe not go that far. <laughs> I was going to say <laughs> – Oh my god! But all I tell you what though, all Japan did end up on the bottom of my uh, New Year's week pile. I haven't even gotten to that yet. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's this. Yeah, I I don't even have um. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know if I have any temptation to watch that. Really, I'll definitely watch it. I mean, I got I got all this Kaliga to catch up on. I don't know. I don't know if I'm gonna. Ah, see, you're gonna be a Kaliga guy. <laughs> I'm gonna be a Kaliga and a Gleet guy. I'm going to be a Gleet guy just to spite you. It's not that if you just invest in the Gleet versions, there's only been two in a year. So, I mean, you're, it's not bad. They have like 27 other shows in between that, but they, they clearly don't matter because there's V1 and there's V2. So, um, Okay, so I'm not spoiled on any of this, and if you don't say anything in the chat. But the main event night one for All Japan was Strong Hearts versus Hakuto Omori and Yusuke Kadama for the All-Asia titles. Okay. If you haven't been watching Lindemann and T-Hawk, they've been very good. They've been very good. Um, that was the main event. And then, you know, a bunch of tags. The second night, which was the third, because Corican really gets a workout during this uh, opening week of the year. You had, uh, hey, listen, you got to love Shotero Ashino and Suwama calling themselves Runaway Suplex. <laughs> the run- that is a great classic tag team name, Runaway Suplex. I do like that. So they defended the tag titles, the the real, you know, the the world tag titles against uh, Miyahara and Aoyagi. I'm sure that was great. And uh, underneath that was Super Crazy against Sugi, which we, I spoiled the result. Sugi won the title. And uh, Geora TV title, Shigehiro Iri versus Koji Doi. Those are your top three. Mm-hmm. I'll watch that. I'll watch all that. That sounds pretty right. decent. Yeah, that sounds decent enough. I'll check all that out. I just, you know, all Japan these days is on the bottom of the pile. I can't. Especially this week. My God, there's so much to get to, you know? So I just, I couldn't get around to it. But, uh, and you know, they, they got the vacant title. They got to figure out what they're going to do with their world title. You know, they got a lot of questions. Around. Yeah, they got to figure out a lot of stuff in that company, unfortunately. So, yeah, it's rough go these days for uh, for all Japan. But, uh, all right, I think that is it. I think we've covered everything. We were going to talk about the FSM 50, but we can we can hold that off. Maybe talk about it next week. Because uh, we are, I believe, completely out of time here. So, um, unless you had very quick thoughts about the FSM fifty, um, not quick thoughts. That so, probably deserves that probably deserves a lengthier discussion. So uh, we'll uh, we can shelve it for yeah. Now, we'll we'll do it next uh, week. So, but if you want to check out the list, voicesofwrestling.com, a very super secret uh, panel of people. Uh, one of which I believe is uh, Mr. JL Jerry Lynn. <laughs> If you can crack the code of those initials. <laughs> Try to figure out. I will tell you two of the names that I've been hearing around, which are, are solid guesses, uh, is Ronda Truth Killings. Uh, there's an Arkea there, Ronda yeah. Truth Killings. Uh, and we said Mr. JL. Because uh, it just says JL in there, and that's got to be Jerry Lynn. I mean, he was Mr. JL, so I don't. I can't imagine who else that could be. So. It could be. Um, I mean, I don't know who it is. So, so yeah, Ron Killings and, and Jerry Lynn give their thoughts, as well as uh, you know, the a few other. One to, you know, I think I haven't been – the one I haven't been able to figure out is – the person who wrote all the Dragon Gate ones is CL, mm-hmm. and I just cannot figure out that. I think it's uh, a 90s rapper Seal Smooth, I believe, is is the person Possibly. that they got for that. Yeah, which is a, a good get. One half of Pete Rock and Seal Smooth, that's pretty good. So, 
Um, I think that's it because I've heard Seal Smooth is a big, uh, uh, big dragon uh, system guy. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Well, he'd be the first CL that would come to mind for Dragon Gate system. <laughs> right. For sure. For sure. Another. I mean, if you can think of another one. Um, All right, I think we're at it. I think I think this bit has died on the vine. <laughs> I've tried. I'm desperately. It's so late material. in the day. I'm trying to think of other CLs and I can't. So I just gave you Seal Smooth, and that's all I got. So all right, that is it. Uh, they will reminisce over us on this. So anyway, uh, for Joe Lanza, I'm Rich.